Hey everyone, welcome to Sifted's Game of the Year Awards for 2022. I'm Shane Satterfield and this is Matt Kyle. And we're going to be going through over 20 different categories today and picking winners, and in some cases, losers, for the best and the worst games of 2022. In some cases, the nefarious categories are the most fun, to discuss at least anyway. Um, we have... So many clips loaded into the TriCaster today. I'm a little nervous because these shows, I'm hosting and running the TriCaster for shows like this is always a little shifty, always a little tough. Uh, so give me a little leeway today if I run a wrong clip here or there, put up a wrong lower third. Hopefully you'll give me a little bit of uh, space to make some mistakes today because this is a big, big gig just for someone to run a TriCaster on their own, let alone hosting the show while running the TriCaster at the same time. But as I said, there are 23 different categories today that we're going to go through. Generally, we go through each category in five minutes or less. Usually, we kind of need to. Otherwise, we're going to be here all flipping day. So um, it is a little bit like machine gun fire, but I think it keeps things fun and interesting. Um, before we get going, though, we do have some housekeeping to take care of today. And that is our Fantasy League. So, as you guys know, Matt and I play against each other in a video game Fantasy League every year. We are the first video game Fantasy League in the world. Now it's been co-opted and taken over. There's a whole website for it now, and every other publication does it. But we were the first. We were the first ones to ever do a video game Fantasy Draft. So Matt and I are going to wrap up the season here on the show. We're also going to share the winner of the Sifted Fantasy Challenge, which is basically the Fantasy League that you guys all participate in every year. We have a winner for that, and we're gonna crown the winner today as well. Um, and as I said, we have 23 awards to get to today, so we don't wanna spend too much time messing around here. Let's get straight to the Fantasy League stuff. Matt, we're gonna start off with our league between you and I, and I will just say it was my worst year ever. In fact, my score is the worst score ever in the history of our league between you and I. I only had seven games that ended up making it. The lowest we had had before was eight. Mm. So I only had seven of the ten games. Matt, miraculously, you have all ten. All ten of your games managed to come out this year. Now, as we know, we have two alternates in case games get delayed out of the year. Matt only had two games that did not come out this year, Baldur's Gate 3 and Redfall, and he had two alternates to fill in for those. Matt, you just I just got to say, you completely crushed it. You knocked it out of the park. Not only did you have all ten games, which doesn't happen every year for the winner, your percentage, your 82% percentage on average is also one of the highest ever, and your total point score is one of the highest ever. So you had an amazing year in the Sifted Fantasy League, and for that, you've earned a round of applause. <laughs> Congratulations, bro. You did awesome. Like, your team was just stacked from top to bottom. Mine was not. <laughs> it was just a bunch of safe picks, and then two risky ones at the end, and then two more safe picks as alternates. Yep. Honestly, I'm surprised King of Fighters got an 80+. plus. That's I did not... I, I was... I was going for 70 and up on most of that stuff. I had a rough go. I had Breath of the Wild 2, which didn't come out. I had Starfield, which didn't come out. I had Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League, which didn't come out. Forspoken, which didn't come out. Hollow Knight Silk Song, which didn't come out. And not only that, Matt, I also have the worst That is the worst the alternate worst, anyone has ever picked. I have yeah. the wor No, Matt, that is the worst single pick. <laughs> in the history of our fantasy league. Babylon's fall at 43. Now, keep in mind... At least it was the last pick. The funny part is there's one version of Babylon's fall that's actually 40. But hmm. there's another one that's like 46. So the average ended up being 43. But it is the worst pick in the history 
of the Sifted Video Game Fantasy League. Babylon's Fall. I had to use it as an alternate because I had so many games that fell out. I mean, half of my original 10 didn't make it. I only had five games of my original 10 come out. The worst performance in the history of our league. So I'm not crying too much. I've won the last two years in a row. If I won this year, I would have won three years in a row, which is unheard of. Um, so I probably should have expected the fall this year, and boy, did I ever fall! <laughs> it is so yeah, I told you before, like you could have picked Zelda last. Yeah, because you wouldn't I have would picked never it. have picked it because I knew that wasn't coming. I also looked back, and I have picked Breath of the Wild two three years in a row. Yeah. I have been burned by Breath of the Wild two three years in who a go, row. Who goes first this time? Uh, I don't remember. I think you picked first, or did I pick first? I think you did. This year, remember. I can't remember either. But whoever picked first this year, the other person will pick first next year, and it's going to be whoever a- goes first is going to pick Zelda, Zelda. <laughs> and finally going to pay off. That's what- exactly. I'm hoping it's me. After I've invested so much capital into Breath of the Wild two all these years, I really hope that I get to have it on my team. But I would not be surprised if that turns out to not be the case. So I can't remember this. This league was actually over months and months ago. Usually, we like go and do updates throughout the year like we'd kind of mention it here and there and i'd basically just say yeah i'm getting my butt kicked and i was getting my butt kicked uh so here we are at the end of the year where we uh we tally everything up and matt just whooped my butt so congratulations matt great job we'll get back at it in january with our next draft and now it's time we'll have another round of People think I'm, cra- I'm crazy when I say these things aren't coming out this year. And, yeah. and then they don't. <laughs> yep. Yeah, you did really well this year. Although I did think, I thought Forspoken was going to make it. Yeah. I really did. Yeah, there's a couple of my games that I'm really surprised. Like Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. That game's been in development for eight years. Yeah, but I knew that wasn't coming. It's crazy. It's just nuts. We're, we're getting Gotham Knights and that was it. That was that. So we, I, I knew that. Yep. That um, so now it's time to share who won the Sifted Fantasy Challenge which is the Fantasy Football League that you guys all play in. And again, we'll be kicking that off again in early January. You guys will be able to fill it all out again. Uh, But here are the results of that. And our winner this year is GetUpKid1284. Here's the amazing thing about this, Matt. And I know it may be hard for some of you guys to see it on the stream or whatever, but we have like eight people who got all 10 games like Mm -hmm. you did. So we put out the word. We're like, look, play really conservative. Try to make sure that you have all 10 games. Because wasn't it last year the only person that had all 10 games won? It was the one person with all 10. The sole person. This year we have like eight people. So you guys all did way better this year. Damp Towelman, Otaps, Toast9, Chubb, um, Anson Chan, Glanny BG. You guys all did a great job. You all had all of your games. In fact, I think there's more than eight. Look how many. There's tons. You guys did way better this year, but ultimately, Get Up Kid 1284 is our winner, and here is his round of applause. Congratulations, Get Up Kid. You're always on our stream. It's great to see when people who really support us win these things. Um, send me a DM, and we'll get your games out to you. Now, I probably won't be able to get the games out to you until I get back from the holidays. Um, but you can send me a DM. What you-, you picked first this year? Oh, did I? So, so you get Zelda. So I get Zelda. <laughs> so shit. After all those years. <laughs> of course, that's just my luck, Matt. That's just how it goes. <laughs> that's how it is. I if it, if it weren't for bad luck, I would have no luck at all. That's pretty much how it is for me. But whatever, we'll see how it goes. I feel like I can still compete without Zelda. 
Oh, it's a, it's a very stacked year, but it's yeah. just like there's your guaranteed ninety something. Yeah, you know, yeah, a, you're gonna you're guaranteed your first pick to get a yeah. gigantic score now. Um, so anyway, congratulations to Get Up Kid one two eight four. He scored thirteen hundred and fifty four points. The next closest person was thirteen hundred and thirty three points. So he actually won by a pretty wide margin. Great job, man! Excellent work there. Um, so again, get at me on Twitter at Dinfire. You can send me a DM. Uh, you can send me a direct message on Sifted. I'm at Shane there. Um, tell me two games that you want. You are a patron, so patrons win two games for winning the Sifted Fantasy Challenge. If you're not a patron, you only win one game, but you are. And so get up, kid. You win two games of your choice. So sure. send me your picks for two games. And again, I won't be able to get those to you until we get back from the new year after I get back from my trip to Pennsylvania in January. Uh, but you can send those two games whenever you want, and uh, we'll get them out to you as soon as we can. So congratulations once again. Excellent job. Thanks to everyone for playing. Um, we had a ton of people playing this year. I think it was the most that we've ever had. And we'll push it again in early January. And I uh, wish all you guys luck in the 2023 Sifted Fantasy challenge okay with that i think we're ready to start the awards um we got through that pretty quickly luckily because we have a lot of stuff to get to so here we go sifted's game of the year awards for 2022 we're gonna kick things off with matt's favorite genre best first person shooter and matt you did manage to find a winner for you this year what was it the only one I played, pretty much, uh, Tiny Tina's Wonderlands. Yep. I also enjoyed this a great deal. Um, I am a big shooter player, and my pick is different than yours, but I think this is a good pick, particularly for somebody like you who likes a certain kind of game. Yeah, this uh, was def- This is actually a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Like, I really had been feeling burnt out on the Borderlands formula. It's um, better than Borderlands 3. It's way better than <laughs> Borderlands 3. It's- yeah. Like, I know that they basically kind of re... The the plan is to kind of make this the franchise going forward, and I agree with that. Um, I know Tiny Tina isn't everybody's uh, favorite thing, but, like, I thought, for the most part, the the whole thing worked. Um, It was pretty funny uh, in a way that Borderlands 3 just... Yeah, the writing was really good. Yeah. Um, And uh, I played it a lot longer. A lot of the, the, um, like, the metric on some of that is, like, did I play it longer than I had to? Like, you know, <laughs> for you, that's like your metric. One, like once, once we do the episode about it, did I go play it again? And yeah. like, yeah, I did. So that that's was, good. That's a good barometer. I didn't finish it because it is like all Borderlands games way too long. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree but, with that. Uh, was, I played a big chunk of it too. I probably yeah. played played almost twenty hours of this game. Yeah, it was around there. It definitely scratches that loot itch, like any Borderlands game does. But the plot and everything else in this was better than Borderlands Three, mm-hmm. which is weird but you're right i think they're taking the right approach in continuing this franchise on um it seems to have done pretty well sales wise as well maybe yeah. even better than borderlands 3 which is kind of crazy to think about yeah so, I imagine borderlands has sold more units just because it's gotten so cheap but yep uh it definitely feels like maybe launch sales might have been stronger yeah uh, that's a good pick um my pick for the best first person shooter of 2022 is call of duty modern warfare 2 um, I have been playing the crap out of this game ever since I got it. Finished the campaign. Best campaign in Call of Duty in a long time. Now, it was a little derivative and kind of similar to 
other campaigns, or at least a lot of the missions were. There were a lot of homage missions in the campaign, but I still really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. Some of the, the good missions in the campaign were some of the best I've played in like 10 years in the franchise. And it's But it's not just that. It's the entire package. It's just gigantic. Like... I even kind of got into Warzone for a little while and kept playing that. I didn't like the DMZ stuff, but the Battle Royale stuff I did end up going back to, but I still just keep going back to the competitive multiplayer. I know a couple people who bought this because they didn't realize that Warzone was free. Oh, no. They thought they were getting <laughs> Warzone. <laughs> that sucks. Um, it's the whole package, though. It doesn't have zombies this year, but I'm so burnt out on zombies, like, I don't really care. I, don't, I didn't even think of that until you said it. Yeah. Now. All the stuff that I really care about in Call of Duty is in this game, and it's in spades the other thing i like too is how frequently activision is cycling in new experimental modes into the playlist it's, it seems like every time that i boot it up there's like two brand new modes that i can try that i hadn't played before and a lot of times they go way out of the comfort zone for call of duty so just a really good entry for call of duty this year and i will say too that it was kind of a weak year for first person shooters there wasn't a lot of really good competition which is odd because first-person shooters are one of the most popular genres in our industry. I do feel like they're starting to slow down a little bit, though. Oh, yeah, I've seen a bunch of like articles about that recently where it's like, yeah, first-person shooters are not actually very prominent anymore. Yeah, because um, I think a big part of it, too, is that people play them for so long. Yeah. It's like, I won't play another I, shooter for a while. I'll I keep playing think, Call of Duty. I also think part of it is that there's only so much you can do with it, mm -hmm. and there's everything you can do has been done with it. Yeah. Um, it doesn't lend itself to a, to a particular kind of game that is popular now. You don't. You are not limited. One of the reasons for using first person back in the day was it meant you didn't have to render the character. You know, yeah. Like, you, you could just yeah, show. Yeah. That's all you had to do. It made a big difference. And now you can. Like <laughs> yeah, you, you yeah. Know, there's no reason not to show yeah. the character. There's no reason not to show more of the, more of the world and, and what your guy looks like. So, yeah. There is an element of that now where it's like, why would you limit yourself to first-person shooter when yeah. you could make anything else now yep, and just true. include shooting in it? Yeah. It's, it's a... Because a lot of action games now include shooting. Yeah, and a lot of times yeah. you can even go into first person in a third person yeah. game for the shooting part of the game. So I, I think it's kind of um, one of the, you know, there's, there's cycles of things. You know, there was a period where RPGs were not a big deal for mm -hmm. a while because um, nobody wanted to spend the time and money to make something that big that was seen as a niche interest. Yeah. And that's shifted. So I think the first person shooter will, will return to power at some point. There's a cycle to that. Yeah. But right now I think it is in kind of a lull. Yeah. And you're only really, you know, you got to obviously make the big ones. You got to make Battlefield and Call of Duty and whatever. But I don't think it's as attractive right now, especially with, you know, things like game as a service stuff. Like how do you even break into that realm when destiny has that chokehold on it in the west and well i mean you look uh, at it though it's that like one what... that bombed here has the chokehold in the east and it's just like well, it's, this is why sony is freaking is freaking out about call of duty because it can't make a shooter that people care about on its own and nobody can yeah even back in the day they couldn't you yeah know, kill zone i mean you passable like or dislike kill zone however you like but like it was not what they wanted it to be yeah. in terms of you know resistance cultural resonance okay but not great so yeah. although um, i would love to see a resistance saved from the ps3 i would yeah. love to see a resistance collection yeah at some point that makes sense uh, but yeah the genre has definitely fallen in relevance over the last mm -hmm. couple years really and that coupled with the fact that this call of duty is a really strong entry yeah. and it became an I, easy pick for me i think it's kind of in a space where like platformers were a while ago yeah. where like you had, you know, a Nintendo kind of keeping it alive because that's yeah. what they do and what they do well, but nobody else was really doing it. Yep. And I think you've kind of, you're kind of a similar situation with the, with the top first person shooter 
makers and because that's it. Call of Duty is also so dominant. It's such yeah. a huge deterrent. Well, it's to, just like nobody in the world wanted to make a platform, character platform right. for a while, but it's not like anyone stopped buying or making Mario games. Yeah. Like, yeah. the juggernaut remains the People juggernaut. People still want to play good ones yeah. is what it comes down to. Yep. Okay. That's best first-person shooter. Next up, kind of a tangential category that relates to the one prior, and that is best multiplayer game. Matt, what's your pick for that? Uh, the only one I played uh, for any length of time, which is Multiverses. Yeah. Um, one of the surprise hits of 2022, a free-to-play Smash Brothers clone starring, well, it's really even hard to pigeonhole exactly who it's all the characters things are. things Warner Brothers owns, yeah. basically. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Warner Brothers IP stable. Um, it's a weird mix of things that kind of mostly works uh, in the in in a way that it, probably, it doesn't mesh the way Smash Brothers does, but like it works. It's there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an interesting change from what Smash Brothers works. Uh, the co-op element actually, I mean, maybe not anymore. I haven't played it in a long time, but at the time of launch, like people were actually more or less trying to work together, yeah. even if you teamed up with randos. I mean, that's uh, the big difference, right? Is it is two v two? Yeah. And I it's mean, very it's, you can play by yourself, but the game is designed for 2v2 play. Yeah, and, you know, and they're more or less supporting it okay. Uh, the, the, the online play is pretty good. Like, for the, you know, even at the, at the launch time, it was, it was smooth for launch. Yep. Apparently it has not persisted particularly well, but I don't know. Uh, big variety in how the different characters play. Uh, very clear difficulty kind of kind of skill curve on who you want to use. There's you know basic characters and advanced characters, and they do call that out pretty accurately in the character select screen. Yep. Uh, it does kind of suck where you're just like, oh, I really want to play Batman. Like Batman's pretty moderate difficulty. You know, you, you might want to I want to start with um, whoever. Uh, Wonder Woman, or well, I think Wonder Woman's the, the recommended starter. Yeah, I didn't have too many too many troubles like learning any of the characters in this. And yeah. again, to, there's to muscle the, memory there from Smash that right. carries but over into to this play game. them very effectively. You need to really dig into them. Oh sure, you know, sure. Especially yeah. like the higher like Bugs Bunny is a completely different skill set from the rest of the game. Like oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he's because they list him as like a wizard, as a mage or something. But he's so much about summoning stuff and messing with it's it's a it's a whole different thing from the pretty straightforward like super. Superman, Wonder Woman, punch, punch, punch stuff. Yeah, um, which is cool. I mean, if you have the patience for that, I this don't. game is huge. It has a huge player base. Now it is free to play, but yeah. I think that was a smart move. Yeah, I mean, it seems to have worked for them. I like a lot of the, the additions. I, I, it's cool they put the Gremlins in. Um, yeah, I didn't expect that as one of their early, early additions. Yeah, um, and they react to to player feedback pretty well, like changing Velma's, uh, calling the cops on you to, to having the mystery machine show up, I think is a, is <laughs> yeah, a, good, that was a good call. Yeah. Like we don't, we don't need Velma to be a snitch. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, as you know, it's very rare to see a smash brothers clone competitor, like actually more or less make the grade and, and yeah. keep it going. There's and been a lot so and far, they've all failed except yeah, for so this far, one. I mean, they're doing better than the Batgirl movie. That's for sure. <laughs> true so, um we'll see how long warner brothers allows this to live yeah but, uh was, yeah i had someone who doesn't play a lot of multiplayer uh this one kept me going for longer than i expected also i should add that best fighting game not included in this year's awards because that was literally yeah the only one maybe we should I mean, have were, had it just to give it an i mean award. there were a bunch of them but they were they were all like an, you know small time anime things yeah. there was you know a bunch of updates to various you know there was like i think a new under night fate stay in birth whatever that you know like yep. that kind of stuff yep and honestly while i do enjoy a lot of those none of them stand out enough to really be like oh this should get an award you know it's like yeah. it's yeah you know, it's 
Yeah, you can consider, I guess, just give it to Sifu, I guess. Why not? As long as, we're, as long as we're making shit up. Yeah, so no fighting and no VR in this year's awards as well. Because one, it was a horrible year for VR games. And two, Matt and I do not play VR. I so don't play any VR this it's year. It's just not yeah. fair for us to be crowning winners Next of Next year, probably, because of PlayStation VR 2. Yeah, not this year. Yep. Um, and my pick for best multiplayer game, surprise, surprise, is Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. I probably should have split these categories apart. but Or maybe it does make sense for them to be together. I don't know. Get it out of the way. Yeah. Um, as I said in the prior category for best first-person shooter, the multiplayer suite in this is just incredible. It's always evolving. It's always changing. Um, no matter what you like to do as far as shooting a gun in a video game, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 gives you ample opportunity to do it. There's even like third-person modes. They really start mixing it up with some of the, the different playlists that they're providing. And also how it's all organized, um, being able to, to create your own playlists and just add all these different disparate modes into this one menu so you can always just search for exactly what you want. They've just honed the multiplayer suite to a fine sheen at this point. And again, this is a really good entry for Call of Duty. I really like the maps in the game. Um, some of the big team battle maps are straight up like battlefield at this point with vehicles and everything like i really am struggling to see where the place for battlefield is now matt mm. i mean that's a big move for call of duty for it to do that so uh, best multiplayer game for me call of duty i've been playing it since it came out i just played it last night for a couple hours i will probably go home tonight and play it for a couple hours it has turned into my daily driver game the game that i play when i'm waiting for my wife to get ready so we can go out to eat or whatever so um, really good this year. Uh, great entry across the board, and especially in its multiplayer suite. Okay, next up, a genre that sometimes isn't in our Game of the Year awards, but this year it absolutely is, and that is Best Adventure Game. Um, best Adventure Game, when we talk about adventure in our awards, generally it's point-and-click games, like, you know, Return of Monkey Island, stuff like that. Or it can be walking simulators, or it can just be narrative-driven games. Mm -hmm. um, the the genre has expanded over the last like fifteen years. It literally mm -hmm. just used to be point and click, <laughs> and yeah. now it's there's several well, other spinoffs. It used to be non-existent. Yeah, like, Telltale, it has disappeared for a while. Telltale's Walking Dead brought Revived this it. whole thing back yep. in a way that I honestly never thought because that was one of my favorite things back in the nineties. Yeah all that and but like and i thought that was just you know thought it was just dead like mm -hmm. that was a, a kind of game that went on went on its way and then it's all back and now yep. this it's back and stronger than ever yeah. i had a problems picking my winner for this, yeah, this category is one of the more packed categories this year than typical yep and matt what is your pick for best adventure game of 22 um i went with norco i don't which, think too many people are going to argue with you about this uh, which is still uh you know even this was this came out pretty earlier earlier in the year uh i think yeah but uh yeah it just this one stuck with me. Um, also, our buddy Garnet Lee is the person who signed this game to Raw Fury. Oh yeah, yeah. All right. Well, yeah, he's that... working. He now lives in Europe and he works for yeah, Raw I know. Fury. He, he went to Sweden, and he's but... his job is to go out and find games for them to sign right, to well, publish. He, well, he found a good one. He did here. definitely. This is a um, oh some of the best pixel art I've ever yeah, seen. It's very, very, very moody and and evocative. Yep, visually, it's. Basi you are basically you're trying to find out the story of what happened to your your mother who who died recently. You're you a strange mother, and you come back to figure out what's going on. In this kind of kind of it's a cyberpunk dystopia, but it's also like um, you know, so there's guys with glowing eyes and cyborgs chasing mm -hmm. you and things like that, and weird you know, but and like things you know, obviously androids. <laughs> you have an android friend and stuff, um, but like it's also. You know, people live in normal houses and have to walk. Play. You know, it's mm -hmm. it's that interesting. 
you know, I like it's like it. a real look at the future. Yeah, I like <laughs> it when it when these things remember that like. You know, like, even if everyone's got cyborg arms, there's still going to be couches. Yeah. You know, like, it's not going to look that alien from a ground no, level. Right. Well, it's like you know, everybody thought the future was, you know, the Jetsons, flying cars right. and all that. That's not how it's worked out. Yeah. So it's a cyberpunk, southern, gothic, like, mystery story. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's very unlike anything else in the, in the genre, I would say. Like, even the way it presents itself, like, with this kind of, like... You don't see people do, you know, t- you know, like like pixel like, art like that. The pixel, yeah, the, pic- <laughs> yeah, the pixel, amazing. Art, pixel art stuff doesn't get like you know like dissolves like that. Yeah, like, you know, whatever that. That's a that's a, a, comp- a it's like an alpha image, channel. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's very well written. Um, there's a lot of weirdly a lot of gameplay variety. Like there's a lot of things that do weird mini games, and you have to like drive a boat around, and you have to like figure. Yeah, it's it's not just clicking through dialogue choices. Um, and it's set in a very uh, unusual place. You know, it's set in a place called Norco, which is a real place in uh, Louisiana, which is named after a uh, an oil company, like a re- oil. Refi- it's named after the oil ref- the refinement factory or whatever in the in the town because that's the only place anybody worked. You know, you're from Pennsylvania, you know how that works, coal yeah. mining and all yeah. that. Yeah, um, there's one business in the town, and that's where everybody, that's where everybody works. works. And if that goes out and of business, happens to it, it's over. That's the end of the it's town. Over that's basically what's town. happened here. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And. Uh, it's really good. Uh, I think it just hit consoles like, like last month. Um, and it may even be on Game Pass. Is it? I can't remember. Um, that is, this is one game that I regret not playing. Yeah, regardless, just, yeah, I was trying it. to find time for it this week, and I just never managed to yeah, get it together. Yeah, for sure. Um, also, um, the one game I didn't get to that I wanted to was Immortality. Yeah, that's um, another one. Yep. So that might have been a contender here. I don't know. That's the sequel the, to her story, right? Yeah, it's the same. It's not a sequel, video it's, clips it's the same to guy. piece together. It's the same, yeah. same developer. A murder mystery. Um, yeah, it's, it's like three different versions of of, of a, it's Rashomon basically. Yeah. Um, from what I understand, and it's like three movies. She, made. yeah, it's it's interesting, but I just didn't get to it. So that Me might either. have been a contender there. But I guess people should know that I did not have. Uh, so that, that wasn't in, in consideration here because Immortality, I didn't get to play. Yeah, me uh, Vincent says Norco is on Game Pass. Okay, great. So go go do that. Yep. I'll probably play it here in the next couple of days before I leave to go to Pennsylvania. Uh, my pick for best adventure game, and this was really hard for me. In fact, you're going to hear another game in this genre that really resonated with me later on in another category. But for me, overall, the best adventure game was The Quarry. This is the next choose-your-own-horror-adventure game from Supermassive, the team behind Until Dawn, and a bunch of other really great choose-your-own-horror-adventure games. Um, this game, I know the premise seems rote, especially if you're into like slasher horror movies or whatever. A bunch of teens go to this camp and blah, blah, blah. This is actually in reverse. They're all trying to leave the camp, and something happens that they can't leave the camp. So they end up stranded there. But you still might think, oh, that sounds like Friday the 13th. And on some level it does. But it's really the execution of how Supermassive does it. Um, with, you know, it's not really a murder mystery, although you you are kind of wondering who the, the murderer is. Um, and it ends, you know, throughout the course of the game, you suspect it could be five different people before you ultimately get to the end. Also, the choices in this game, extremely meaningful. Um, There is a huge cascading effect on the decisions that you make in this game. And the other thing I would say, too, is that some of the choices in this game seem very subtle, 
and you don't think that they're going to have a big bearing on what may happen later, and they end up having a gigantic impact on how the overall story is told. The voice acting in this, the tech behind this game, the visuals in this game are amazing, literally at times almost photorealistic, which is something that adventure games, I believe, should be able to accomplish in most instances. Now, with Norco, it was a stylistic choice to use pixel art, but if you're going to use 3D visuals, adventure games, you should be able to make the game look damn good, and this game does look damn good. So I was impressed with it on pretty much every front. The other thing, too, is the Supermassive's games haven't had a lot of interaction beyond sort of choosing your dialogue tree options. In this, there's actual gameplay that you actually play through, and you move around, and it's closer to an action-adventure than any of their games have been in the past. Um, so just across the board, I found this to be a great adventure game. Uh, you probably will be able to find that this game on the cheap right now with holiday sales going on. I highly recommend it if you do. I had a blast playing it. Also not a huge commitment. 10 hours or so, you can get through the game. And uh, I feel like it was a very rewarding experience. And I felt like I was rewarded for the choices that I made, which for me in the adventure genre is really important in 2022. So there you go. Mm-hmm. The my light, pick. The lighting on that is so weird still to me. The lighting on... that In that game. Yeah. Like, where you're looking at that, like, where it's all dark, you can't see anybody's face, and it's like... It's like very a David, dramatic. It's like a David Fincher movie. I'm like, that's not what light looks like <laughs> yeah. outside. Like, yeah. I've never seen any... I've never been outside in the evening, afternoon thing and been like, I can't see half of my friend's face because... Well, she was like, under the... There's a tree there. Right. So they're in the shade under a tree. Right, but that's not how the human eye works. Yeah. Like, it's a you very adjust. weird choice. Your eye choice. adjusts and you can see it better. Yeah. But yeah. I'll say this too, Matt. Like, that's, that's what ray tracing's for. It is. So you can do that differential and I'll say this though, Matt. One thing I do not like about games, and this is one of those cases where realism goes too far. I don't like in games where you're inside and then you come outside and there's that like three second transition where it like blows out and then like your eye. Like, I understand that's realistic. I hate it in video games. Was it, there was a racing game I played that did that. Screw recently. that, dude. And I, like, I don't through a tunnel, it was. and you have three seconds where you're blind? I was like, no, that's not how... No, I don't, screw that. <laughs> I drive a lot. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's never happened to me. I'm yeah. sorry. Like, it's, yep. Like, it's uh, a cool effect, but, like, it's a cool effect in a dramatic narrative sense. Not in a, yeah. I have to not run into a cow sense, <laughs> yeah. you know? I just think it's great to see the adventure genre, like, resurging. Mm. It really was, like, on its... You're, you know, you're right. The Walking Dead rejuvenated it. Yeah. Oddly enough, a game about zombies reanimated mm-hmm. the genre. Um, and, but then after that, I did feel like it kind of fell into a lull. This year, though, really a great year for narrative-driven games across the board. Well, I think there's, you're finally starting to see like the AAA space sort of embrace that outside of David Cage. And, uh, <laughs> you know. Yep. It, but there was a lot of options They're getting budgets now for these games, yeah. which is great. Makes a big difference. Um, okay, next up, a category that really defies description at this point. And I'm just going to say, Matt, like whatever you want to define as an RPG mm-hmm. for you, I'm totally fine with. And I hope that you can extend the same courtesy to me because the, the lines are really so blurry, whether a game is an action adventure or an action RPG anymore. Um, at this point, if yeah, somebody ev- decides that they feel like one is an RPG and one isn't, I'm totally cool with it. Everything so. in my head for RPG was listed by IGN as action adventure. So who right. knows anymore? <laughs> yeah, there's really, it's really hard. Every, it's, um, it's really open to interpretation. Yeah, you're, you're, Some people don't believe it's an RPG unless you're doing turn-based fighting from a menu and some yeah. people think if there's hit if there's numbers on the life bar it's an rpg like some people believe if you don't create your own character it's not an rpg yep. so which means final fantasy 7 is not an rpg right. yeah, i mean if like, you can go okay, back to, now you're in a yeah. weird area again like yeah we talked about this on last yeah. week or this most recent episode of game face actually this week's game face um so we're not going to browbeat it this time but i just wanted to say 
I gave Matt leeway to do whatever he wants with this category, and I'm, I think he's extending that to me as well. So, Matt, what is your, what is the best RPG in your opinion of 2022? Call of Duty Modern Warfare. <laughs> Um, no, my that pick. would be stretching it. <laughs> there's, a, there's hit. There's that experience points. Um, no, it's Elden Ring. Yeah. Um, I don't think anyone's too surprised about this for from you. No, this is you know clearly an action RPG. Yep. Um, at least I think so. Yes. Um, it, it is. It's definitely an action RPG. This is uh, you know I mean there, this was a pretty good RPG year. There was a new Xenoblade. There was a, there was a lot of you know there was a guy. It's of been War, a good year. I mean Horizon. look, it's the most popular genre in the industry, and it's also the one that the publishers are pumping the most money into development yeah. for so yeah, yeah it's and another you know, strong year next year we're gonna see it again with starfield and all the other yeah there's, there's even a world where you can consider gotham knights yeah. an rpg yeah but um no this is i mean this one kept me playing yeah i played 200 hours of elden ring is that your, what year. your final total was ultimately for, about that yeah it's um it's it's a lot it's i played lot. it for like 20 i mean that's amazing for yeah, me that's a, that's a ton <laughs> that's like a, a record for me <laughs> And while I, you know, I, I certainly have gone on the record saying, like, I don't think it's particular. you know, everyone's like, oh, my God, it's done open world in a way no one, no, it says open world exactly the way everybody else yeah. did. It just did it like, with Dark Souls. Yeah. And that's cool. The enemies are like, just hard. It. Yeah. Instead yeah, of easy pushovers. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, it, it's a rewarding character building journey. I think it, uh, you know, it, it is friendlier to different builds uh even more so than the other from mm-hmm. games have been you know yep. you can play from you know one of the soulsborne games with almost any build you want but i think it's much less likely you're going to just sort of if you don't know what you're doing sort of put together unless you're elon musk apparently because <laughs> that build suck um unless you're, you, odds are you're going to put together something that's going to work for yeah. you it's a little less trans it's a little less opaque except for that one uh, what was it? I think luck or like it was one stat that doesn't really do a lot. The proof's in the pudding for me because but. people were able to come on the stream mm-hmm. and help me tweak my build and I could watch it. Yeah. I could see the difference in what yeah, they were telling me it. to do. Yes, you feel it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that way to me, like that's role playing, like being able to switch up your stats and have a meaningful difference in how the game plays. That to me is an RPG. Mm-hmm. So I agree with you. I think it was a great RPG and it makes perfect sense in the category and a solid game across the board. So, good pick. Um, my pick for best RPG of 2022, and this may ruffle some feathers, but I don't care. It's God of War Ragnarok. Pretty much at the end of the game at this point. Um, the RPG elements in this are insane. Because you, you get so many of these extra characters that you play as throughout the game. And they all have their own huge skill trees and their own armor and their own weapons and stuff that you have to find and collect and upgrade with your points that you earn. Um, so to me, the RPG elements in this are great. The story elements in this are really strong. You're going to have to wait to see what we pick for some of the other parts of RPGs, like best story and stuff like that, later on in our Game of the Year awards. Um, but I thought the story in this is great. Um, it didn't hit me in the feels like the first one did mm-hmm. because you got to remember I was just coming off the death of my father when the last one came out. And so it really hit me hard because the mm-hmm. last game was really all about Kratos. Yeah, and this is more about this, everything this is more else. more about regret. A lot, a lot yeah. of regret and yeah. getting old and slowly dying. Yeah. <laughs> like, Which I can relate to yeah, at this sure. point in my yeah. life. But it's just, it's, it's uh, as with that experience, it's, you know, this is a more drawn out sort of gradual thing where like, yeah. um, the first game was a shorter, more focused experience that was more likely to just punch you in the gut when it had to. Yep. Um, and this has its share of those, but it's, it does. it's not, it's not the, 
you know, it's it's uh, it's the big sprawling Return of the King mm-hmm. kind of thing after a, a more focused uh, story. Agreed. Um, certainly, and, the and, first game told the, you that story to tell you this one. But yeah, yeah. Like, and the bigger game is fleshed out mostly with RPG mm-hmm. elements that are well, the elements that are typically assigned. Yeah, I do to think the it's RPG funny show. that almost every side quest in the game is like fixing some horrible mistake one of your friends made it's true the hor- a lot of them are revisiting ago. places yeah. from the last game where bad stuff happens yeah you're like, as long as, <laughs> as long as we're here brother can we go do this <laughs> take care of this thing that i probably shouldn't tell anyone about ever but we're gonna do it anyway it's like yeah yeah um so anyway and look i totally get it some people may think that god of war ragnarok strays a little close to the action adventure side i totally understand that i'm not arguing against it uh, but for me it was the best action rpg of 2022 and therefore for me the best rpg as well next up best indie game this is one of those categories where i never when we're done i'm like we probably f that up because i just don't play enough indie games mm-hmm. that's just the truth of it i'm not trying to hide it I only have so much time in my life in each day, each week, each month, each year, and I just can't play all the great indie games. There's just too many of them. So this is one of those categories where it's hard to say this is the definitive best whatever. I think this for us, this is like what we play that really resonated with us. And for us this year, both of us agreed on the same game and the winner for best indie game of 2022 is Stray. Play as a cat. That's yeah, <laughs> you had me at play as a cat. Pretty much. <laughs> but it's not just that. It's how you play as a cat mm-hmm. and how they found like all the like if you're a cat lover, this game will hit you in the feels over and over and over again. You could tell people who love cats made this game because mm-hmm. they've managed to like capture those moments that you have with your cat throughout your cat's life that are like these seminal times where the cat makes you feel better about yourself or gives you new perspective like I don't know. I, I haven't had a cat for a long time because it died and I was so devastated I don't want to go through it again. So I, I have a lot of personal um, attachments to felines. I love cats and they tend to love me as well. I don't know why that is. Uh, but if you're a cat lover or a cat my owner. My other cat is afraid of everybody in the world uh, and uh, she will come out. She doesn't come out of the bedroom because she's afraid of Luna. But she, she, Shane's the only person who comes over that she doesn't hide. Yeah. In the bedroom, if I go, if I go in there right now, she'll just be out sitting around. I don't know why that is. Cats love me for some reason. They can tell that I love them. I guess I don't know. Took her like a year, but she came down to let you pet her at one time. Yeah. Um, I had never seen the cat. No, she. So yeah. (laughs) Really a recluse. Um, But also, I thought the game is just straight. It's just really creative in how it lets you play as the cat and how it set up puzzles for the cat and also just the little extra stuff in the game that let a cat be a cat, like being able to scratch the walls or knead on the carpet or play with a ball of yarn. Like, they just nailed it. If you're going to play a game about being a cat... It's hard to imagine a better example of that than Stray. Matt, do you think there would be a sequel to Stray? I don't know. I mean, it's certainly going to be tempting. Because the ending felt like it didn't really leave. No, but I mean, you could always just do it again. Yeah. (laughs) But like, there's probably... Which I'd be cool with. Yeah, there's probably more to explore in that world, but they'll have to make that decision on their own. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you one thing. You could just do another thing involving... It'd be a shame to waste the cat tech. That's true. You know, like... (laughs) That's true. Whatever they do next should probably... Unreal Engine 5 cat tech. Because they're... Yeah, they're... They're very good at that. Like that, that, that it, cats are hard. Cats, they are? cats are harder to animate properly than dogs. A lot and of the animation in Stray is yeah. amazing. Yeah, they really nailed it. So, look, again, this is one of those categories where I'm sure there might be people in chat right now saying we're crazy. And there are people who are really into indie games that are saying we're crazy or whatever. 
I understand that perspective. This this just based upon what we managed to play this year. And admittedly, at least admitting for myself, I do not get to play as many indie games as I was li- would like. So still, I don't think there's any shame in giving Stray an award. It's no. still a great game. So big fan. Uh, both of us are big fans. Next up, best action adventure. And this is a category we were just talking about where, you know, some of these games can stray over into the action RPG territory and vice versa. But this year, there was plenty of great action-adventure games that are obviously action-adventures, where there's no RPG elements in them at all. Like, I guess I, I could have... I didn't really think about it. I guess I could have put God of War here. Yeah. But, like... And I would have been okay with that. If you had done that, I'd have been like, I, I'm totally fine with it, but... Yeah. I don't know. I guess it depends what part of it is more defining for you. Mm-hmm. If, like, the fighting is more defined right. or the walking around doing, you know story-driven RPG development stuff. stuff. Yeah. And I think I lean more to the... At least in Ragnarok, I lean more to the character. I mean, I'm playing in Ragnarok to find out what happens. Mm-hmm. Every time the fights start... Story's I'm great. Like, when the fights start, I'm just like, ugh. I'm like that with the puzzles. Yeah. Well, At the end of the game, I was like, I'm good. I don't need to, like, do any more of these puzzles. You know, I don't need to, like, walk around this environment looking for this one angle that lets me look into a building so i can like throw my axe through that little crack in the window and then hit something inside the build like i'm just done there's a couple points I was where good. i was just like kratos just step over the fence yeah, yeah. just step over the fucking fence <laughs> i hear you i we- promise you can climb that i promise you can get up there but that goes back to what i've been saying about the last two god of wars that are they feel in some ways like old games they don't feel like games that are made in 2022 or whatever but that's also a little bit of their charm i think but anyway with all that in mind what was your pick for the best action adventure of 2022 i went with sifu yeah because i think once you remove once you honestly once you remove games with rpg elements from this category you're not left with there's not a whole lot well actually this Um, year there were some good ones but a couple i there wasn't much that i i played more than this um and i admit i didn't finish this one because (laughs) it's it's hard as balls it's really hard (laughs) and i just never had the time to like focus on mastering the combat system matt i played this game for an hour (laughs) (laughs) i was like i get it (laughs) but i got through like the four i think the fourth level the fourth mission or whatever yeah and yeah i don't think i ever got past the third stage without like being like at least 50 years old because you you go up in age every (laughs) time you die every time you die you get older Um, i have watched which makes it harder i have watched youtube playthroughs. well some it it, you get advantages at one point it's a shift but eventually yeah you it gets hard it does get harder but you get more powerful in terms of damage but um yeah i've watched like playthroughs of like no hit max difficulty one run thing um, which I will never be. Which able is just to do. mind-boggling. Um, one of the, I mean, one of the things that you don't realize until you play a while is like the secret is to be more aggressive. Yeah. Like you just. You, I've heard that from a couple. You can people. knock these people down, and they never like have a chance if you know what you're doing. Uh, I do not fully know what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> but as you see here, like it, it's also like a game you can kind of improvise in, and because it's got that roguelike element. There's there is an an aspect of like I'm gonna try this this time yeah and like if you do die and you probably will and you probably will but like the the, the mission you know the missions are like if you do them like you know all you know fairly fairly well like they're like five minutes long it's not like you're like going back to like slog through a whole thing again. right yeah. um and it has that sort of you know roguelike uh, oh one more try element to it. Uh-huh. Um, and then you do get to keep a lot of stuff permanently as you upgrade things, and so even a little bit like Returnal, yeah, yeah, even like I mean a lot of them have that now. But like, Mm -hmm. there's that element of like if you get to uh, you know, oh, even if I completely 
you know biffed it in mission two at least i gained enough experience to upgrade this one skill permanently and that's going to help me going forward and uh you know in in the case of sifu it feels that feels very tangible because it's a new move or it's a new ability or new way that, that you can fight mm-hmm. um and it's kind of it's kind of pure in that regard yeah so it's a know, polarizing game people yeah. either love it or hate it some people in chat are saying it's their game of the year um el guapo 3385 it's one of my game games of the yeah. year yeah it's very good and yeah it does have an easy mode now yeah so. probably a smart actually, move i don't actually know what that easy mode is yeah i wonder how they change it i think you probably just age slower maybe that could um, be or maybe have more life there's a know. lot of things they could do to make it easier yeah it's very modular yep uh great game that just didn't resonate with me but i totally understand how it could be someone else's best action adventure of 2022 my pick you guys probably figured this out bayonetta 3 i was really impressed with this game i was actually surprised how low its metacritic was it ended up at like an 86 or something like that i that feels high to me oh really 86 feels high to you i didn't like this game at all yeah i remember that i'm still shocked that you didn't like this game actually i'll be honest with you matt i am shocked how you've kind of turned heel on platinum in general i have not been impressed by a platinum game in a very long 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 time yeah i was impressed with this one i think this game is great i think i am technically impressed by it i think yeah it doesn't actually run that well on the switch like overall but like it runs better it than runs, i'm actually it mad it, it does so somehow the other night i stumbled upon i don't even know if it was digital foundry but somebody did an analysis of this oh it was modern vintage gamer and what he did was he overclocked his switch to see what kind of frame rates he could get out of this game which is crazy that you can overclock your switch but he did and actually matt the base game runs like solid over 50 but it fluctuates between 50 and 60. And then he overclocked his switch and got it to peg at 60. Yeah, but the other Bayonettas have pegged at 60. They have. On yeah. default hardware. You're right. But so. it is crazy. Like a lot, I think a lot of people feel like you did. Oh, the game doesn't run that well. It actually runs really well. But I would argue I that mean, they may have been smarter just to just peg it at 30 and just oh, leave no. it pegged at 30. They would have been demolished by the fans. Well, I think people would have got angry, but I think it would have kept people from saying the I can't frame even, rate's I can't all over the place. I can't even imagine playing a bayonet at 30 frames a second. Yeah. Like that. I, would, I don't know. I wouldn't even... I wouldn't. You wouldn't have my opinion on this game because I would not have paid money for that. Period. <laughs> period. Well, okay, then I guess not for you, they made the right decision to acceptable. have a fluctuating frame rate from 50 to 60. I mean, but. that's preferable to 30. It's it's okay. playable. It's it's more I was shocked, though, by his analysis that it's literally always over 50 frames a second and then it dips up and down from 60. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with overclocking the tr- it with the trouble is that that platinum's you know gameplay style that is so heavily timing and dodge based requires a reliable frame rate yeah that's and, true you know 30 is but that's really why i said pegged it pegged at 30 the 30 is not reliable for that it's not reliable for what they're trying to do and they'd have to change how the combat works because there are things that are one frame you're in right this game. yeah that's a good like, point that's yeah. it you know and and 50 you know hovering in the 50s sometimes is not the ideal solution but it's better than hampering the entire way the game's built my, my um, overall point though is that it, it seems to have gotten slagged for having dodgy frame rates when in actuality it does run pretty freaking fast i mean it's impressive that they can do that on the switch but because this is the also i would argue the best looking switch like game ever maybe yeah yeah uh, original game i mean there's stuff that i mean i don't actually i don't know if the witcher 3 looks any good on the switch it, i haven't seen yeah. it <laughs> Uh, talk about frame rate problems. There's, there's your. I frame mean, there's rate no problem. lack of ambition here, but it's just like that. Plus the just, it's such. It feels like such a retread of things in a lot of ways of the of the previous game in terms of structure and just. I would agree with that, I but it also had been so long since I had played Bayonetta two, and yeah, I didn't play I just, a ton of Bayonetta two. I didn't 2 love either. Bayonetta two either. Me either. Like, was, I like this better than Bayonetta two a lot more. 
I, I, I think fighting more. God is more uh, compelling than fighting blobby weird things. <laughs> this is nothing. Enemies nothing, were repetitive. For nothing sure. appeals to me in this game, and even and even though like the, the, the kaiju stuff, which should appeal to me, I think it plays like shit. So I just don't care. I, hmm. I I was left ice cold by this game, which I was a little surprised. But I thought I would at least like like it. I was actually surprised how much I liked it. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't think I was gonna like it as much as I did because I had played Bayonetta two and I literally had played it for like ten hours and just like fell off. This one plowed through it, played the whole game, really enjoyed it. Story not great. Yeah, this is, <laughs> that's for sure. This, that's its weakest link, in my opinion. The, uh, this is the opposite of the the litmus test of did I play it after the episode was over because. Shortly after you left, I think I which went to the switch and uninstalled it. Oh. And turned the switch off. I was like, I just want you gone. I want you out of my house. Okay, fair enough. Uh, next category. Not my worst game of the year, though. Surprise. Yeah, we'll Not get to that. Not even close. Yeah, we'll get That's... to that. Um, next category. I'm only going to tackle this because Matt doesn't really play sports games. Um, yeah, I didn't play a sports game this year. And this category wasn't in the awards last year. And the only reason I put it in this year is because there was one game that I played that I really liked. That didn't really fit anywhere else, and I wanted to recognize it, and it actually does fit into the sports category. So you may be thinking, oh, Shane's going to give Madden an award. Nope, it's not Madden. <laughs> it's not FIFA. It's not NBA 2K. Yeah, you, you didn't watch the Madden episode. Yeah, it is <laughs> Rollerdrome, which is a roller derby game, which I think is a sport. <laughs> I guess if you count professional wrestling as a sport, then it would be a sport. Yeah, eh, it's a sport-ish. Roller you, could all, you could also call this a platformer, I guess. You could, yeah. Roller Drome is a roller derby game where you roll around arenas and shoot people. <laughs> and it's, it's like a little bit, it's like Tony Hawk's Pro Skater mixed with like a third person shooter. There's yeah. really no as, other as game drawn like by it. Mobius. Yeah, there's no other game like it ever. And not only is, and I don't like this game just because there's no other game like it ever, it also is very well executed and very fun. And I would also say, after you get past the first couple stages, really challenging. And that's when you start to understand how well the game was built and designed, how how great the controls are, how important all the different traversal elements are inside the game, and you end up using them all. There's a bullet time element to the game as well. You have to learn how to use slow motion and to dodge missiles. They're- I had someone dismiss this because they're like, oh, it's just Jet Force or Jet uh, Set Radio. And I'm like, I don't uh, know what Jet Set Radio you played. <laughs> it's not like this. But it wasn't this. <laughs> I don't remember dual pistols in Jet Set Radio. Yeah. Guys. This is one of the most unique games I played this year. Also one of my favorite indie games of the year. There's simply no other game like it. There never has been, and maybe there will be a sequel to this in the future. I don't know. It doesn't seem like it caught on all that well. Uh, but it caught on with me. I really enjoyed this game. Yeah, I haven't seen this pop up in any yeah. list this year. There's all kinds of mystery behind it, too, with the story. It's like, why are they there? Why does this weird roller derby league exist? And the way they tell the story is not overt, and it's a little cryptic, but it is interesting. So um, I really enjoyed this game. I don't know if it's been discounted already, if you can find it for cheap. But if you do find it for, like, 10 or 20 bucks so at some point in 2023, I highly recommend picking it up if you're a fan of third-person shooters and if you're a fan of really unique games, which if you're an indie game fan, I can pretty much guarantee that is the case. So Roller Drome sifted sports game of the year for 2022. Next up, category that Matt does participate in, best platformer. And this, Matt, is a genre that also comes and goes in our awards. Mm-hmm. Like, one year there aren't any. One year it seems like we get overloaded with them. And most of that usually depends on what Nintendo has in its release calendar. However, your pick is not reliant upon Nintendo, and that is... Cuphead and the Delicious Last Course. Yep. 
Or Cuphead, The Delicious Last The Delicious Last Quartz. Final DLC uh, for Cuphead. Yeah. And I admit I didn't actually finish this because it's really freaking hard. It's even harder uh, than much, the yeah, it is base game. Um, this, I'll say this, though. This did get me to go back and play this again. Yeah, and it's just... it. I mean, I'm... And again, it's still hard as balls. It's really hard, but it is just like you want to keep you want to keep playing it because it looks so nice. Like, uh-huh. It's such a good... Like, I don't, I don't know if any other game in the last, like handful of years has nailed its art style quite the way this thing does it's... just watch matt just watch this footage by the way yeah so this is obviously the people who made the game playing mm-hmm. it is bonkers what yeah. the player is doing in this footage like like you you can't <laughs> do this insane. unless you know what every single move these bosses are gonna do is gonna result in yeah like you have to know that that's what that eyeball is gonna do ahead of t- like you know because you're you're either they're ahead of it and this is you know that's that's classic old school you know, shmup gameplay. Yeah. Really, like you. you know, that's really what this game. You ain't beating Radiant is. Silver Gun the first time you play it, folks. Right. Like, that's just sort of how it goes. <laughs> yeah. Um. But it, you know, it does feel good, and it feel you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's rewarding to play, and it's it is it's a good like I'm gonna put this in and play one fight, and that's it kind of thing. You know, like like you do where you're waiting for your wife to get ready. Like this yeah. would be a good game for that kind of thing. Yep. Um, they want to leave the house in a rotten mood. Yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe not good for uh, for for uh, attitude. But uh. yeah, I mean, it's really a lot of pattern memorization, which is old school. That's where where we come from. I mean, mm-hmm. this game is straight out of like the 16-bit or 8-bit eras, Unless or the arcade era. Yeah, and it gives you another character. You can play her through the whole yep. ga- whole main game as well if you want. Yep, it integrates into the main game, which I think is cool. I like it when like dlc expansions do that well i like it too because it got me to go back and play some of yeah. the old stages where i had like you can see your scores it's like can i do better now no no yeah <laughs> i was not able to do better no, now. let's not do that to myself yeah. <laughs> so i did go back and like go through the overworld and try a couple of the old missions again and then try the new dlc so you're right like integrating it into the game got me to go back and play not just the dlc again but the bulk of the game again as well which is also excellent so Mm -hmm. it is an acquired taste like i wouldn't recommend cuphead to just anybody um but anybody like us who's older absolutely anybody like people in our chat right now absolutely hardcore gamers eat it up casuals not so much um and that's cuphead i think they'll make a sequel to cuphead no, I think they said they were done. Oh, really? They said that they were done with yeah. it? Oh, okay. Um, they're going to move on to something else. But hopefully something just as cool and good. Yeah, I, I mean, I uh, hope they do something else with that kind of art style, but a different style. No one else is doing it. Something. Yeah, they've found a, found a niche that no one else, I think, would even dare challenge them in. And so. I, I dare say I do hope their next game's a little easier. Yeah, it would be. I think something a little more accessible, manageable might, might be, be a good idea. Might be a, a move. I mean, they've I, done well with Cuphead. They but. did. I mean, they did really well. But also, like, I think you you could have a ten million seller on your hand if you made that something. craftsmanship. Yeah, deserves more sales. Yeah, if yep. you made something that was a little more family friendly, yep. uh, not in terms of content, but in terms of like, you know, people aren't going to scream at this Christmas morning. Like, I, I think you you they could be a you could you could have a ratchet and clank style hit on your hands yep um my pick for best platformer is kirby in the forgotten land first 3d platformer starring kirby i had a tons of reservations about this i thought it might be a complete disaster i ended up absolutely loving it um i don't know that it's good enough or it sold well enough although as it turns out it did sell pretty damn well that their next Kirby game is going to be a 3D platformer. I have a feeling it'll probably go back to his 2D roots, and this is something that we get like once every like 10 years or something like that. 
Um, but it was great. Like I also loved how they incorporated Kirby's abilities into the game. Um, something else that may or may not make sense within the context of a 3D environment. However, they all were great in this. It was fun and exciting to get new forms of Kirby. Um, I feel like the, the structure of the game was a little dated. Um, you kind of just have like this menu that you go to to go to all the different worlds. It, it felt like a 2D Mario game, but 3D Kirby instead. Uh, but Kirby's world, I felt translated well into 3D. I thought the art in the game was good. It wasn't garish like a lot of Kirby games can be. Um, it's not his world. Yeah, you're right. He's in the Forgotten Land, and I like that. Like, I'm not a big fan of Kirby's world, to be perfectly honest with you, Matt. Like, it's like a unicorn vomited or had diarrhea a lot of the time. Um, but like this stuff, like being able to suck things up and turn into them, it was just. I just felt like around every corner there was something interesting happening and it always caught me off guard. Um, and a lot of that had to do with the different transformations, like playing as a traffic cone. Who would have ever thought you'd play as a traffic cone in a video game? Uh, did you do that in Geist? I can't remember if that's one of the things you possessed. Mm, I think I remember about Geist <laughs> is possessing the dog food. Right. <laughs> uh, but I had a ton of fun with this game. The craftsmanship, I talk about that a lot, and this game was impeccable. Um, just look at that right there. Like the water inside Kirby right there. Like... Mm. There's a lot of TLC that went into this game. Um, I do think like some of these parts, like the overworld and things like that, the hub world that you went back to, that felt a little dated to me. Uh, but for a first 3D attempt at Kirby ever, which is hard to believe, um, I thought they did an excellent job. And I do hope that the next one is even more freeform. Um, and I do hope that the next Mario 3D platformer is a little more freeform. And I feel like we, the last DLC we got for Mario kind of hinted at that. It was like this big open yeah, I, world. Yeah, I think Bowser's Fury is your preview of what the next Mario is going to look like. And I hope that they do that as well with the next Kirby game and any 3D platformer that Nintendo makes going forward. But this was a great first start in 3D for Kirby. I had a ton of fun with it. I highly recommend it if you're into these types of games. It was well executed and a lot of fun. And the best Kirby game I've played in a really, really long time, not being a gigantic Kirby fan to start with. So there you go. My pick for best platformer of 2022, Kirby and the Forgotten Land. All right, let's move on next to best driving game. People often ask, why on Sifted is it not, is the genre called driving and not called racing? And that's because back in my days at GameSpot, Greg Kasavin came up with this clear delineation of why they chose to use best driving games because back then especially there were games where you drove a car but the objective was not to win the race mm. it was back when there was lots of like vehicular battle games um like smugglers run and there's like yeah. back then it was kind of a big thing and it's disappeared since but the reason we driving game is because there are some games where you pilot vehicles yeah. that you're not the objective is not to win a race so like i would say like american truck, truck there's simulator. a good example it would fall into this as well if it didn't suck Oh, Although, I love that game. I know, I know. A lot of people do. I was just joking. But, um, but yeah, so that's you gotta why You got to mod we, that thing up. Yeah, yeah. But this is another category that comes and goes in these awards because there are some years now where there just aren't any driving games. They used to be a staple yeah. of the industry because they're so easy to make. Let's well, be honest. Sometimes they're just like one or like this. Even early on on this, I'm just like, because the only driving game in my recent memory is Need for Speed. I ain't giving that an award. I, there's no so. way I'm giving that any, <laughs> any awards. That's not happening. Uh, but as it turns out, there were enough games for it to be a viable category this year. And Matt, what's your pick for best driving game of 2022? Forza Horizon 5's Hot Wheels expansion. You're rolling on your DLC kick here yep. in these last couple categories. 
Uh, one of the surest ways this year to get my attention was apparently just to add more content to something I already liked. Already liked. <laughs> um, Seems so, like a solid strategy. So the the Hot Wheels stuff for Forza Horizon has traditionally been excellent. Uh, the last time they did it was great in 3. Um, and this is, again, the same thing. I, I, I didn't stick with it forever because I do think they, um, they tried to make it a little more free-roaming like the main game. And the problem with that is it's... In the main game of Forza Horizon, you can just go off-road and drive straight to where you want to go to. And when you're on, like, a Hot Wheels track, you just have to kind of drive the roller coaster until you get where you're going. And if you turn the wrong way, God help you. Yeah. Because you're not, you are got to do it again. So there's an element of that that I just got, got tedious for me. There's but a whole lot of, of all, orange in this yeah. DLC. <laughs> but in terms of, like, the, the like just the driving stuff this year, this is the thing that uh, kept my attention the best and made me go, like, wow, this is cool what they're trying to do. Uh, no offense to Gran Turismo. Um, but this did keep me playing longer. This was the most short-term fun I had in a driving yeah. release this this year. However, my pick for the best driving game of 2022 is Gran Turismo 7. And I just feel like it's a more full-featured, varied game. Look, I don't think this is perfect either. Mm-hmm. Um, I when I first played this, pretty like, goddamn good for a GT though. It is. Like, yeah. So they, when we they first did a really really good job, like. Catching up with the times on this Agreed. game. Agreed. Uh, when we first played it, and we talked about it on Game Face, I really thought I was going to stick with this game for a while. So did I. But. I did not. <laughs> I did not either. After like a week and a half after we talked about it, I never went back and played it again. Yep. But they, I'll say this too. Polyphony has been making tons of changes and tweaks to this to make it better. So maybe I should go back and yeah, give it I another go. About, I thought about giving it another try at some point. But it's just. But it's like when. I was like, well, when things calm down and there's not as many releases, I'm like, so I'll I'll see you in May, maybe yeah. if you're. I mean, I guess it's. I mean, I'll be honest. No if, room in my life for GT right now. It's 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 a big commitment, and I'll say this too: if Need for Speed Unbound had been even like kind of competent in a couple <coughs> different ways, it probably would have won over this because I do like the atmosphere, the energy, and the style of Need for Speed Unbound way more than this. Need for Speed Unbound should have been, I think, both of our favorite games. It should have. Game of the Based year. upon what games we like. What it was, what they're doing, what they attempted. And what we and, like. Yeah. It should have been. But it just wasn't good enough. No. That's the bottom line. It was just flawed. Um, and so this is, I believe, the best Gran Turismo since like Gran Turismo 3, like Ace Back. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. Um, and that's a big deal because Gran Turismo it's is. Also, that's also the last Gran Turismo I played as much as I played this yep. one. Yep. Me too. I played A-Spec more, but like it yep. was the last time I really looked forward to starting it up again every day. Yeah. Um, so, and I mean, look, there, this isn't a perfect game, but there was no perfect driving game this year. No, and not, 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 not even close. Not a long shot, no. Yep. So I think we did it right. I think one of us picking Hot Wheels and the other picking Gran Turismo 7 feels right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how it's played out for us in 2022. Who knows if we even have this category next year? I can't I mean, really. We got, we got Forza next year. Yeah, the, Forza Motorsport. Be interesting to see. I mean, if that will be boring, is yeah, watching paint well, dry. They've, they've been off so long. You know, it's been so long since the last one. It's like, well, did they did they do spend their time revamping and learning a lot of stuff, or is it going to be the same yeah. slog again? I haven't been a fan of motorsport for the last several entries. So I skipped seven. Yeah, I didn't even bother. They're just too dry and dull. Yeah. And I'll say that that was one thing that I was afraid of with Gran Turismo Seven that it managed to avoid. Yeah, so. well, because that was the thing is like motorsport used to be less dry and dull yep. than Gran Turismo. Yeah, right around the time each one come out, because there was an element of Forza that always. Uh, 
I'd always remember to celebrate the cars. I always remember yep. like why we're here, why we mm-hmm. love these things, and why we love driving. And uh, GT never really seemed to do that. It was just sort of a very clinical. They do it in this one, though. And th- yeah, in this one, they, they tried to figure that out, and I think they more, more or less got there. Yeah. Um, so well done, Polyphony. It only took you six games. It's headed in the right direction, the franchise. Yeah. So, And I think it'll probably be five or six years till we get another one. So it's and good I'm hoping to see- that like, this that aspect of gt7 is was maybe a kick in the pants for forza's developers to say like oh we got to up our game on that." it's a little funny that it was announced with the xbox series x and here we are two years later taking a while it's so there might be some tweaks going on there some tweaks it could be having trouble getting the the, i'm sure they want that thing to be the best looking game on the system that could um, be they saw Gran Turismo 7 and they're like oh snap yeah you gotta you gotta step up yeah like you better, ray tracing better work on that sucker <laughs> we'll <That's>, see yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, that's a good point so anyway there you go those are our picks for best driving game of 2022 next up another category that sometimes is hard to find nominees and winners for and this year it was just the cup overfloweth and that is best strategy game Another genre that both Matt and I enjoy, although I would argue you probably like it a little bit more than me, but yeah. we both really love it. Um, so it was really hard for me to pick the winner this year. I'm sure it was for you too, Matt, but what was it? Um, yeah, this is Marvel's Midnight Suns. <laughs> Shocker. And it's, and After it's this week's close. episode of Game Face, I don't think anybody will be surprised to hear that this there is were, your... I mean, there were a lot of... There were some good strategy. I Before Marvel came out, I really did not think um, uh, Fire Emblem... Yeah, I, I, actually, no. Fire Emblem was an action game, wasn't it? What? The, the, which fire? Oh, Three Houses? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was like a, a Musou, pretty that much. That was a Musou. Yeah. I think I forgot that came out this year for a while there. <laughs> but uh, there were still some good strategy. Dio Field Chronicles I liked. Yeah. And, triangle uh, Strategy. Triangle Strategy. I didn't play Triangle Strategy. Oh, you didn't? I never got around to it. That's It's good. I'm sure it is. Yeah. Um, it's gotten some nominations here and there. Yeah, Another this, uh, Game this of the Year one Awards. caught me completely off guard. I expected to like it. You know, it was Marvel. I'd probably be like, oh, that's fine. It's Marvel. But no, I played, I, I put like 50 hours into this thing. Are you done with it? No. It's still going. <laughs> I mean, a lot of that's just me like grinding away on stupid missions because I want more to do this and upgrade this and whatever. But I've definitely hit the, I definitely hit a point where like all the side stuff stopped moving forward because I just wasn't far enough in the main story yet. Oh. So then I started going, moving on that more. And uh, then The Witcher came out with its next-gen oh. patch, and that's going to have to probably... Marvel's going to probably have to wait for a while It's taking now. my time, too. Witcher 3, next-gen. Yeah, this is great. It's, it. it's really a really good strategy system. Like the, you know, it's, it's a little more of a puzzle than kind of the hardcore strategy tactics stuff of XCOM, but I think that works for the license. I jam put this in its... Best RPG category. Yeah, I, uh, okay. <laughs> I was like, anything's uh, an RPG if you if you squeeze hard enough. I guess. Okay. I, I mean, I, I mean, half weird. the game is kind of like Bioware conversation, friendship, yeah. romance. I mean, you're not romancing. There are some romance. elements in there. But I, yeah, I would not call this anything. Other it's than a turn-based strategy game. Turn-based strategy game. Yeah. Heart. Yeah. But uh, also. You don't you don't spend much of the game dressed like that. They they spend the characters spend most of their, their time recognizable as themselves in the outfits. Like like the those outfits are like you get those outfits if you complete a certain challenge when you max out friendship with them. Mm-hmm. Um, the rest of the time they are dressed however you want them to be dressed, and that is usually standard Marvel costumes for them. For yeah, me. there's a lot of color options, but most of the color options kind of suck. <laughs> um, so everybody was pretty much in their default costume for most of the game for me. Okay. Um, and I was fine with that. Yeah, I would prefer that for sure. 
Um, but yeah, you just talked about this for like literally, I think it was like almost an hour. Like an hour yeah. <laughs> so you probably don't need to discuss it too much. I don't think anyone's surprised that this is your favorite strategy game. Um, I played it. I also thought it was really great. Uh, but I've only spent now at this point maybe like four or five hours on it. Because again, like you, The Witcher 3 showed up and I was like, oh, this game's still really awesome. And I got I dove into that. I'm trying to finish God of War. That is one of those games that probably in the, the dry month of January, I'm going to go back and probably spend a lot more time with this game. Hmm. Um, and it probably affects also why it's not my pick for best strategy game of 2022. And that is a game that I spent a lot more time with. And that is Mario plus Rabbids Sparks of Hope. Um I don't know if I would say I'm more partial to the Mushroom Kingdom than I am Marvel's characters. In fact, probably Marvel would win over that if you had asked, if you asked me. Yeah, it's not a, that wouldn't even be a competition for me. But what I liked, what put this game over the top for me is how the gameplay has changed in this. Although I would argue that there are some tweaks in Midnight Suns as well to the XCOM formula that I didn't expect. Yeah, I did think of this when I was playing Midnight Suns a couple times in terms of they're, they're both... Uh, wholly unafraid to break what would have been considered rules of turn-based yeah. strategy and before. And no one would have complained if they stayed the same. No, because but, but every time they did break a rule, it generally made it better. Yeah. I love the open-ended combat in this. How you can approach everything and you're not on this like, it's my turn, it's your turn, here's a grid. You can only go five spaces on this grid. It's just, I have a feeling that strategy games are going to be like this from now on. If people try to do more active combat... This is going to be the template that they follow going forward. Now, the story in this, not as good as uh, Midnight Suns. The interaction between characters, also not as good as Midnight Suns. But as you guys all know, if you spent any time on Sifted or game trailers or anywhere else I've worked, gameplay always trumps pretty much everything for me. And the gameplay in this, they managed to find a new way to do strategy games. And that's a big deal for me. I'm also a big innovation guy. Um, it's also very charming. Like, I feel like they handled the license very well. Um, I also like the fact that the rabbits were kind of put on the back burner for this, and they focused more on Nintendo's characters. I felt like there was a little bit too much rabid in the first entry. I feel like, basically, every change that they made to this from the first game was the right move and really smart. Um, so I had a ton of fun with this. Um, I felt like also every stage, it's also bite-sized, like it's not a huge commitment, but I also felt like every stage I could find a different way to get through it and complete it. Um, I just thought that this is one of, literally one of, I feel like one of the better games of the entire year. I was really impressed with this game. Um, you will not regret it if you buy it. Also nice and- It's also very friendly in terms of which characters you want to use. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't find a bad team. Nope, I didn't either. I found that I could like mix it up with any character. So if you mm. there's certain characters in the Mario universe you don't like, you don't have to play as them. You can form a team with other characters that is going to be just Or if you don't want any effective. rabbits, right. you can do that. Yeah, which, hey, that's me. Yeah, I, yeah sure. <laughs> I'm not a fan of rabbits at all. It feels like they're only in here because I, but Ubisoft real, made the game. It was real real hard to give up rabid Peach's mortar cannon. Yeah, yeah. It was a, yeah, yeah. That was a solid... Uh, but I, also, I would, I would, to me, this was more like... Um, to me, this was more like it took what Valkyria Chronicles did and actually advanced it yeah. in a way that I, Valkyria Chronicles could have if Valkyria Chronicles was less afraid to evolve. Yeah. Um, and uh, and that was pretty cool. Yeah. Two great picks for best strategy game. Again, I'm I think it's good that our tastes are slightly different that we we're able to recognize both of those great strategy games for 2022. You can't go wrong with either one. I think I would argue that if you like more active combat go with Mario Rabbids. If you like more thoughtful, and, and to be fair to IGN, a little more RPG stuff, mm -hmm. then I think Midnight Suns is probably the better pick. But you can't go wrong with either one. They're both great. Uh, next up, 
this is one I almost eliminated, Matt, from the awards this year. Because I was like, what is what is this becoming, this category? It's just a game that's still supported. It's it's but I just feel like what am I rewarding here? It's like what it's basically like a different name for best DLC award. Yeah. That's really what it kind of comes down to. Because these are just platforms now, and it's like, which of these platforms added the most interesting, compelling stuff to it this year? Mm-hmm. That's kind of how I pick best game as a service. I don't know if you have a different angle that you look at, yeah, but pretty much. Like that's that's certainly what I picked. Yeah. And your uh, pick is No Man's Sky. Yeah. Which has consistently been uh, one of the best supported games on the planet. It's unreal. For the last six years it's of its existence. And it's also unrecognizable. It's the biggest to- turnaround story, I think, in the history of video games. Mm-hmm. As far as what a game was like when it launched, compared to what it's like five or six years later, is yeah. really mind-boggling. And just taking on board criticism and requesting things. And, like, and listening. You, almost, I think everything that people were saying, like, well, I wish it had this back when it came out. I think everything people said that back then about that is in the game now. It is. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. And, and then, then some. And more. Yeah, <laughs> and and more some. than that. Like, I feel like they're really running out of significant stuff to add. I would have point. said that two years ago, but they keep, That's true. They keep coming up with stuff. That's true. Like, That's they, a good point. And, and he said, you know, they said they still got more stuff coming. Yeah. They're, they're going to do it at least another year. I wonder how many people are playing at this point. Um, every time they do an update, the, the Steam concurrent goes up, and a couple times it's been over a million. Wow. Like, millions of people still play this when wow. new updates hit. That's like, amazing. But it has. It's I, it's almost unrecognizable now mm-hmm. compared to what it was when the game launched. Even compared and, to two years ago, it's almost unrecognizable. Yeah, and even as someone who, yeah, obviously I liked it when it came out. Uh, this, it's everything improves it except this. The most recent update was messier, yeah, I thought, because it broke tech slots. Um, and it was one thing to upgrade that; it was another to make half of my technology unusable because I didn't have enough tech <laughs> slots in my ship anymore. Yeah. So my guns basically didn't work. Oh, geez. And so I had to go around and do the. I, I, I mean, I did know how to kind of game the system to get more slots and upgrade things, so I did that. But it took me like, it took me a couple hours to get my character functioning again after what they did for that. And what they did was, you know, it is a better way to do it. It's just they didn't really take into account what that was going to do to people who had you know i have 400 hours in that game and <laughs> that's like, insane just that save right and like it's just like yeah I'm, for a while i'm like did you just make my fucking character useless <laughs> and no they didn't but yeah. like it, it was they, they, there's some changes that were that took some getting used to and some adjustment and i felt that they could have smoothed that out for the long time players a little more uh-huh. but other than that like everything you know i check in on that game every uh, you know every couple of weeks usually just to see how things are going and uh Harvest my 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 uh, enriched uh, was it activated iridium or an indium or whatever it is, <laughs> which is now worth almost nothing. Oh, really? They they nerfed that in, oh. in, in the new update. The new update was a little bit of like, oh, you, <laughs> you broke a bunch of stuff. We were all kind of taking advantage of. Yeah, um, like it used to be able to sell like a, a haul of uh, of the activated indium for um, I think like seventy five million something, and now it's more like seven. Million. Yeah, <laughs> but I have two and a half billion credits, so I'm not really worried. You'll be about all right. It. Yeah, yep. uh, I think that's a good. Okay. Um, my choice for best game as a service for 2022 may come as a surprise to some people, and it is Fortnite. Believe it or not, a game that I probably talk more trash about than I should. Because I'll just be honest, I've never really got it. <laughs> like, this is like the, the the cute game that my nieces and nephews play. Like mm-hmm. I, For whatever reason, I never really have taken it all that seriously. But the good news is that Epic takes it exceedingly seriously. 
but not so seriously that there are sacred cows that it's afraid to touch. And to me, this year was the year where Epic was like, all bets are off. I mean, when you take out the building from Fortnite, that shows that you are brave and you believe that your audience is big enough that it can support multiple ideas. I mean, to me... Fortnite, what separated the great Fortnite players from me, someone who's just pretty good at shooters, was the building. Like, there's lots of times where I get down to where I was like the last couple people in Fortnite Battle Royale, and the last two people left are crazy builders. And I basically just lay down and just give up. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm just like, I can't kill you. Because you can build a house in front of me, and I can shoot it, and I can't blow it up as fast as you can build another one. And so they could just toy with me, essentially, because I didn't know how to build. And for them to remove that stuff and create a playlist without any building at all, that's a big deal. And some may say it's a cop-out, like you're trying to appeal to people like me, who are just like typical first-person shooter players. I can understand that perspective a little bit, but it's all in the name of widening the audience. And then maybe, you know, someone like me comes in and plays, and they're like, you know what? I'm going to try to build. And then it turns out that they're great builders, and that's what they love to do. So that in conjunction with, you know, withstanding that Mr. Beast is in here, and we talked about that on this week's Game Face, about how I wasn't a big fan of him being in the game. It's not that big a deal. Um, I think for the most part, even though they've reached a law of diminishing returns with guest appearances in Fortnite, they still do a pretty good job of bringing new people into it, keeping it interesting. Uh, The fact that it's become like a platform for concerts and live events, that hasn't stopped this year. They've done a great job with that as well. Um, I just think that this is one of the strongest years for Fortnite. And when I started looking at all the other games as a service, there was nothing that really stood out. Like Final Fantasy XIV didn't have a big release this year. Um, Apex Legends, which was my pick last year, I would argue has had a weak year compared to last Mm. year. And that's kind of the way it goes sometimes. It goes in waves. Um, So I just feel like this year was the year that Fortnite really turned up the heat. And they're like, you know what? We can't continue to rest on our laurels. We really need to start branching out and trying some new ideas. And they did, and they executed them well. And it's done the game well. It's done epic well. They're making just as much money off of Fortnite as they ever have after all of these years, which is just crazy. And I know in a week, I'll be sitting around the Christmas tree watching all my nieces and nephews opening up their V-Bucks cards that they get every year for Christmas. It's it's all they want. Yeah, I I don't have any kids in my family that are that are fortnite, fortnite players don't play fortnite i mean honestly for me buying stuff for all my nephews i just got to buy v bucks cards mm-hmm. and they will they come over and hug me <laughs> that's all they want i can buy them all this other cool stuff and they'll look at it and they'll throw it aside but they open that v bucks card they dance around mm-hmm. the christmas tree it's awesome it's a great feeling to make kids feel that way so i just think it was a, an especially strong year for fortnite um, and therefore, I feel like it was worthy of winning Best Game as a Service for 2022. I can't remember the last time I played Fortnite. Yeah? Four years? I play maybe? it once a year, usually just to get footage, mm-hmm. like for B-roll for the show, because we'll talk about it inevitably. I think I tried to play it for when they did that big kaiju battle thing, and mm. I couldn't get it to work properly, oh. or I, the account wasn't set up right, or I couldn't get in, or whatever. I have problems where I've played it on so many different platforms that I'll have like one account where I have like this stuff unlocked on one platform and then i go and play on playstation i'm like wait a minute like where's all my cosmetics and stuff oh this account i haven't played as much so i haven't unlocked as much stuff i haven't gone through a couple different battle passes blah 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 um so yeah i i feel you like i probably need to sit down and somehow unify my accounts Mm -hmm. because i've been played it on so many platforms at this point but uh, there you go. Those are our picks for best game as a service and something that it doesn't seem like you guys play a lot of let's be honest uh, next up, something we've hinted at a couple times already in our Game of the Year awards, and that is 
best story. Um, typically, you would think that the best story comes from an adventure game because that's usually the crux mm. of that genre. But that's not really the case anymore. Some of the industry's best writers are working on all genres now, and I think you really see it. Um, yeah. the, or I feel like the writing in the games industry is better now than it has ever been. Oh, for sure. Just really strong across the Just board. Just the fact that they hire writers now. They care. Yeah. Like, but they even care about That's it. a big change. It is. Yeah, because it used to be like the dude who was also doing some of the level design mm -hmm. was writing the story for the games. It's like you had a lot of jack-of-all-trades in game development in the early days. Now yeah. you just have a writer. And every once in a while you'd run, like back in the old days, you'd run into something where like, you know, even if it was kind of a not a great game, if it had a decent writer behind it, like it was memorable in a way that the other games at the time weren't. Yep. That was definitely true of the, the FMV era. Um, yeah. Yeah. But my go-to on that is actually Soviet Strike, uh, which uh, was a pretty mediocre helicopter combat game on the Saturn and PlayStation One, um, or at least very hard. It was just obtuse in a yeah. way. It was like it was, it was needlessly difficult at a certain yeah. point. But it had these FMV cutscenes that were done sort of like Tom Clancy meets like like rapid fire MTV cutting and like all these characters just like it's like it's like duh, 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 what is it breaking down the components go and it was weirdly compelling and memorable I remembered it for years and eventually I found out when I was at a writer's guild meeting that Flint Dilly wrote that who's oh. the guy who wrote like the G.I. Joe and mm -hmm. Transformers cartoons back he's been, he's been a writer for cartoons and, and TV for forever and I was, I was like, oh, wow. I said to him, like, oh, wow. Like, I knew that. I started quoting lines of this. And he just looks at me and he turns around to one of his friends back in the in the back of the room and goes, this guy's quoting Soviet strike lines. <laughs> and, the, and the guy goes, eh, it's Flint with his nerd harem again. And uh, That's funny. I mean, he appreciated that. Yeah, I, I yeah of course. But it was, it was like, it was like after all this, I'm like, no wonder all that stuff stuck with me. It wasn't yeah. some rando programmer had to do double duty trying to like write yeah. a story for like, so he wouldn't get fired. It was like yeah. hired a guy who was they written, actually hired someone who writes, you know, yeah. written kind of, you know, mid range action stuff for 20 years yeah. at that point. Yep. And, uh, and you know, nowadays they hire, you know, there's dedicated writers on staff who just write. the That's game. all they do. Or you got people like Neil Druckmann, who is the, you know, he's the, the writing brain behind last of us. And he's mm -hmm. also running the show. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing didn't really exist then. Either. Also, a lot of our colleagues or former colleagues, yeah. have that's what they do now. Yeah. They left games journalism to go into development, and now they write. Joe mm -hmm. Fielder, the guy who gave me my big break in the industry, who hired me at GameSpot, you know, a fresh-faced kid out of college um, with a journalism degree, he's now writing for – he writes for all these. He wrote Pentiment. Yeah. Um, he's writing like every game now. He's working mm -hmm. on uh, Judas with Ghost Story. Mm -hmm. Like he's working on like tons of stuff. And what was the one girl from IGN who works on? Actually, I don't want to spoil your pick, which mm -hmm. is <laughs> which is God of War Ragnarok. Yep. And a girl um, from IGN is one of the writers on God of War Ragnarok now. Yeah. And uh, yeah, well, he, this did not get like in my. You know, I wouldn't call it an adventure game, obviously. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I haven't finished the game yet, and it's it's kind of slow going. But I, you know, uh, I gave it I gave it this largely because I really do want to know what happens. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm still playing. Yeah, yeah. Um, There's lots of twists and turns in this yeah. game, and presentation things you I, wouldn't expect, especially watching this promotion in particular. Yeah. <laughs> like, you never would have guessed how the game plays. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yep. The uh, just you know, in terms of like presentation. There's nothing on par with this. Yeah. In the, the rest of the year, in, yep. in games, the rest of the year, it's just yeah. And obviously, that is because Sony Santa Monica has the time, budget, and leeway to do that, but it still counts. What um, I like most about uh, one of the things I really like about the story in this is it doesn't fall back on the cheap tropes like the walk and talk. 
No, it, it did. It does still do the squeezy stuff for the load times, but it does not walk. Narratively, and talk I'm saying though, there's yeah. hardly any walk and talks. There's a little bit of it when you're in the canoe. Yeah, there's a, there's a, there's like a whole section of of that I would say with with Atreus and the and the the, the girl he meets. Yep. Um, but for yep. the most part, the other thing I really like about this is you know they have the random conversations while you're moving around or whatever. And one of the things that bugs me in games is if you are having a conversation with somebody and then you trigger something, you, you trip a flag or you you activate something, and that conversation just kind of sort of stops and goes away. This game remembers that if something happens, like somebody usually Kratos be like, no time, we have to focus on this. Yeah. And, then, and then once you get back to a, a, a non-action or non-puzzle part, someone will be like. So what were you saying about yeah, that thing? Yeah, you're right, man. Right I, there. And, that, and I think you know that's what? Very I never cool. even picked up on that until you just mentioned yeah, it. Yeah, it's very. And cool. I've played that game for like 40 hours at this point. And they did do that in the first one, but it was yeah. not as as reliable. I think. Yeah, I think the series. vehicle and the methods of the storytelling in this are just as good as the writing yeah. and the actual and they story you, itself. They find a way to give you different perspectives because you're not just Kratos the whole time. I think everybody's very compelling in terms of their motive. You know, the, the, even the the so-called villains and bad and the bad guys. Like you see where they're coming from. They're not. It's not. Isn't they're not two dimensional in terms of that. There are elements where you're like. You also, know, by the way, lots of late game stuff in this trailer. Yeah. I would add. Like, it's so funny when you watch these trailers after you've actually finished the games and you mm-hmm. see like how brave they were with putting late game stuff. In. And wow, this yeah. trailer is loaded with late game, especially content. when like. So much of that footage like leads you to believe that that's when they run into tear, right? And it's not no remotely. <laughs> nope. <laughs> yeah, um, I agree with you. It's a, the story's great. Um, I'll be honest with you. In a lot of cases, it's been what's pushed me through on this game. Yeah, because there sure. are some lulls in the game. Like there's a section in the middle for a couple hours where nothing mm. really happens, and you're just kind of grinding along. Um, some points where I just like I'm, you know, I feel like they've shown me everything they got mm-hmm. gameplay and puzzle wise, and I'm just I just want to puzzle know what wise happens. definitely. I feel like they run out of ideas real fast in this. I, one of the things that I thought was an interesting shift in this game is that last game I couldn't get enough of kind of the the semi open world exploration, finding stuff and and getting stuff mm-hmm. things, and I just it's so it's not worth the effort. Now. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the stuff you find doesn't feel worth it anymore. I agree. I agree with you. Yep. Still, it's a great story. Yeah. Absolutely, and the, obviously the performances are are way up. You know, the performances are as you know basically is what you expect from a first party Sony game at this point. Yeah, I don't think but, anybody will guess if they haven't played this where the story goes in this. No, no, it, it's because they definitely misled. I feel like with the market, which is fine. I'm Good, not, which they should. Yeah, yeah I'm not saying that there's something anything wrong with that, but they did. Like, they're mm-hmm. what I thought the story was going to be about. Before I played it versus what it really is, two yeah. different things. And it certainly is about that at the beginning. Yeah. But they get very past quickly. That real fast. They did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It doesn't take very long until it's something entirely different. So I think that's a great pick, Matt. It was absolutely my runner up, but it did not win best story for me. And for me, the best story of 2022 was As Dusk Falls. This game still an Xbox exclusive? P- Xbox and PC exclusive. Yeah, they own them. They own oh, they own the studio. I think, that made- I think this is. I think they bought them, or they're oh, they did buy them, or they. Yeah, I think this is theirs. So this is a choose-your-own-adventure game. I know Matt, you hated the art style in this, and I can I understand where people could hate it. I actually thought it was really good. I thought it was. Um, there was a, a five or ten minute period where I had to kind of get over it a little bit, and then once I did, I really started appreciating it because. For me, it was more. It's more the what we're going to see here: the mix of m- real moving three D objects with the stylized two D character portraits. I don't think works. Yeah. At all. What I found though about this art like style, that, like I think that looks terrible. Yeah. Like, just, just 
do the same like dissolve thing to close the door. Like yeah. why are they? Why are you- I agree with you on that. Um, but to me, the art style on this, I thought, did a great job of conveying the emotion of the characters better than any real time facial animation in any game. Once they're just like in a room talking, I don't think about it anymore. It, yeah. They really convey how they're feeling in this game, and, and th- the story in this is amazing. Like, so it starts out there's this family, they're driving on a road trip together. The, the grandpa is in the car. They're like fighting with each other. You mm. don't, they're moving to like St. Louis. You don't know why. Um, they stop at this gas station and basically all hell breaks loose. They get caught up in a robbery at the gas station and from there it just spirals on. And this is also like all modern adventure games where you make your decisions. It has a huge bearing on what happens later. So much so in this game. It uh, This is the first adventure game I've played in a really long time where I wanted to go back and play it again to get a different result. Um, because the results are extreme in this. Like it completely affects like who lives, who dies, like the ultimate outcome of the story. There were so many moments in this game, Matt, where I was paralyzed and I could not choose the option. Like the other thing I would say about this, the the options in the dialogue trees are very nuanced and you need to read every word because there could be one little word in there that tips you off to what could be the outcome of that decision that you make. And so once you realize that's happening, it became excruciating for me to sit there and decide like what I wanted to do because also you start to realize very quickly that your decisions do have major consequences. So I really, really love the story in this game. I really love this game in general. Um, I do get that the art style could be off-putting for some people. Totally respect that opinion. It did take me about 10 minutes before I kind of got over the hump, but I really enjoyed it ultimately overall. Um, But I've never been put... The positions that this game put me in, I've never been put in in a video game before. Like I've never had to make decisions in the vein that you have to make in this, where there's really... It's not good or bad. It's like shades of bad or shades of good or... This decision could be good or it could be bad. And I mean, so, that's what David Cage is trying to do. Right, but he's he not pulling off. And this pulls it off. Yeah, and these are, I think, ex-Quantic quantic Dream people. Ah. Like, these, a lot of the, some of the people involved in this were, are people who, who left Quantic Dream, which I think indicates that, like, I wasn't as over the moon on the story on this as you were, but it does indicate that, like, freed from his influence and oversight these people have there were talented good people storytelling there. Yeah. in there. <laughs> it also could be a case where they've been sitting on this for six years. Oh, I and, wouldn't have shared this with and this him. Is, yeah, right. Absolutely. And this is their one really good idea, and they're, now we'll see what happens. But for this entry, I loved it. I've, I got totally sucked into the character. I love this kid. I totally cared what happened to this kid. He's like the person in the middle between the bad guys and the good guys who can go either way. And sometimes he hints that he's actually is a bad guy, like the other people. And sometimes he shows rays of kindness. Like I loved it. I thought the character development in this was great. I loved all the characters in it. I cared about every single one of them stuff that happened in this. I never would have guessed in a million years, just completely caught off guard by situations of people who show up in specific scenes and how it all wraps together and folds back on each other. Just great. I loved as dusk falls. And it's my winner for the best story of 2022. Next up, Future Legend. This is where we pick a game that came out this year that we believe people will be talking about years and years from now. Generally, it's it does it's not necessarily the best game of the year, but it's kind of that game that everybody was talking about. There's something about that game that made it this thing that's bigger than just games, and that's future legend so matt mm-hmm. what's your pick for future legend of 2022 mine uh, could also have gone in game i didn't get but uh <laughs> vampire survivors okay um 
this game has you know had a big big uh, reception uh, on online especially. Um, I played a little bit of it. I it's it's fine. I don't. I, I don't <laughs> I, it's just, but but it's like Undertale to me. It's yeah. like you know I, I had the same reaction. Under I'm like oh that's cool. I'm done. Like, it's, it's like, you know, like, whereas Undertale became like a way of life for some people. Like, I think Vampire Survivors is going to be that again. Like, this, this thing is going to have a cult following that persists for years. Um, and I think uh, its success, and it's, I mean, this is a mobile game made good, uh-huh. basically, on, yeah. on PC and everything. And I'm sure it, it's coming to console and every, you know, you, you won't be able to get away from this thing by mid next year. Um, I feel like this is something that's going to have influence. It's going to have uh, cachet. It's going to be everything that has even a remote, vague semblance to it is going to be compared to it going forward. And I think it's going to influence some things. So I describe it as if the developers of the Atari 2600 games back in the day had already been making games for 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> There's an element that also, like, I don't know. This is maybe hard to articulate properly, but it. The graphics kind of remind me of like mid '90s or late '90s PC RPG. Like, I, a little I make, bit, like yeah. it makes me think of like Heroes of Might and Magic Three, which yeah. is like a, it's like kind of a pleasant thing yeah. to me. I don't know how else to describe that. Um, it is a bizarre game. There's it is like no it's, it's like a it's a bullet it. hell twin stick roguelike. <laughs> it's really weird. It's a and like if you're game. looking at this and being like and you don't know what it is and you're sort of like I don't know what I'm looking at. Welcome to the club. Yeah, like, it's like, like that's pretty much what the game is. <laughs> that is what um, the game is. Yep. I'm certainly never going to say don't try it because it might be your favorite game of the year. It yeah. was it was not mine, but I I I've seen enough sort of you know underground game phenomena rise in the past that i think i see the same pattern here and it's slowly coming out for like all platforms now too um because they're like oh we have a hit i think this will be like undertale is probably the closest thing it's like yeah is it anyone your casual game your casual friend would know if you mention it to them not Mm -hmm. necessarily but like is it something that people are gonna like remember for years and years and years yeah i think it is okay um my pick for future legend is elden ring so to me i argue you've you've already been proven right this year (laughs) um like this game reminds me of animal crossing new horizons it's that game that like everybody played even some people who maybe Mm -hmm. wouldn't weren't interested in it like it sold 15 million copies. 17 million. A it lot sold. of people who didn't have interest in this kind of game before played this game. And I have a feeling that when the next From Software game comes along, a lot of them will not line up to buy the next From Software Maybe. game. But it's, <laughs> I mean, there's. I certainly have some friends who are like, what's this Elden Ring thing? Yeah. About? But it's a story and I, and to I, tell. And I would warn them, like, you know, they're, they're like, oh, maybe I'll try it. And they tried it and they liked it. And they're like, they're in. Like, yeah, uh, it's, it's. I have people who tried it who did not like it. You know, some people bounce off it, but more <laughs> yeah. people liked it than disliked it, and that surprised me to some degree. I thought I thought this would be more of like, oh, I thought it was cool, and then I tried to play it, and I can't figure out what I'm supposed to do. But just about everybody seems to get that thing where they get to the castle and they can't beat the boss, <laughs> so they just fuck off and go do something yeah. else. And I'm like, <laughs> that was the key. That yeah. was the key to Elden Ring in the end. That was that was the problem. That you with could this. just f off. Yeah, the problem with the Souls yeah. games, I think, ended up being in terms of accessibility that if you got stuck you were stuck you were stuck there's no getting away from it yep and, and in this you can just get on the horse yeah. and ride around to, and you have to beat your head against the wall you can just yeah. go do whatever it helped is. me it helped me play it a lot longer than i had other ones but th- there's just there's a lexicon around this game there was a story around it because people bought it and some people hated it and there was a whole story about like how 
you know, thousands of people are returning Elden Ring. And, you know, there was, you could, could buy it on eBay for like 20 bucks because there were so many on eBay. Like there was, there's just stories around this game. I have a story around this game of sifters helping me get through it and me actually playing it for 20 hours versus like four hours. Like I usually play, play from software's games. It's just, to me, this is the game everyone's going to remember from 2022. Like, 15 20 years from you're gonna be able to say hey remember elden ring and everybody yeah i'm playing elden ring 3 right now yeah or everyone's gonna have a story oh man like remember that one boss or like you said like i got to the first boss never beat it and just ran around for the next 10 hours and had fun doing that like it's just this thing that became bigger than the game itself it became way bigger than i ever expected it to become um but it will be interesting to see what happens with their next game and if people are willing to line up knowing now the casuals now knowing exactly what their games are like well one thing i don't think that's going to be armored core nope because <laughs> that's a very different thing. no definitely not no definitely not. i mean their next like big rpg and it probably will be elden ring 2 they'd be kind of stupid to not make elden ring 2 let's just be honest uh, so it'll be interesting to see if there's as much interest in elden ring 2 as there was in the first one but it just it Gather, it started with the reviews, all the perfect 10s, and sure, there's a story behind that too, that a lot of the fans of these games were the ones that reviewed it, but they set the snowball in motion that got people interested to give it a chance, and so now everyone's played it, it'll be interesting to see if they're willing to give From Software another chance with Elden Ring 2, but to me, there's no denying that it's the biggest story in games from 2022, as far as just video games are concerned. So, my future legend, Elden Ring. Next up, Fun category. Most pleasant surprise from 2022. I felt like there was a lot this year. There was a lot of really disappointing things, too. And we'll get to that in a second. But I thought there was a lot of pleasant surprises. A lot of games that came out this year. Like the, I would almost argue that the year in general was kind of a pleasant surprise. Mm -hmm. Because so many games were delayed out of the year. And it was really crappy in the middle. But it had a really strong start and a pretty strong finish. So ultimately, when we started getting all these delays... I think the year itself was kind of a pleasant surprise. It ended up being better than I thought because there were games that ended up being better than I thought they would be like mm. Midnight Suns. Yep. So what's your pick for most pleasant surprise of 2022? Midnight Suns. Because <laughs> it is. It's yeah. a very pleasant surprise. It could have gone wrong in a million ways, right? Yeah. Like, you know, I was entirely ready for this to just be like, fine. You know, it would be like Ultimate Alliance 3. Yeah. Just be like, okay, that's cool that you did that. It's I, I like It's fine. It's fun. Yep. It's nice that it's here. I'm glad Elsa Bloodstone is in it. I wish Elsa Bloodstone was in this. Yeah. But, like, yeah, I was very, very shocked by how good this was. It was just like, wow, like, good Marvel. More and more, we're getting these Marvel games that sort of make that Avengers game look real <laughs> really bad. bad. <laughs> it's just, like, not even just bad, but just, like, needless. You're like, seeing people who are getting it. didn't have to be that way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Guardians and this and, you know, obviously they're coming up on Spider-Man. Not, not that including Insomniac is especially fair. Right. Or, but it's like you're about to see Insomniac do that again with Spider-Man for the third time. Um, you know, a couple of years, a few years from now, we'll see them do the same thing with Wolverine. Um, there's just no reason for that Avengers game to have been that what that was. And... This, if you were going to talk about any game in the in the the Marvel licensed game lineup that could have you know half-assed it, it's this one. Oh yeah, and they absolutely did not. The other thing too is that the developers really spread their wings for this game. This is not 
I mean, it's it's in their wheelhouse, but they've yeah. really broken out, broken oh, the yeah. mold. You can you can see the pedigree of XCOM, and you can see where all that comes from. But they've yep. gone f- way beyond anything yeah. they've attempted to do before. Um, and hopefully, uh, it's sold enough to m- not have the rest of the team fired. So yeah. it, apparently, this yeah this this was a pretty long development process. So uh, I don't know. I hope 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 it worked out for them. Yeah, I think it will. Um, not a lot of competition here in Q4, let's be honest, particularly for this genre. Uh, so I think it'll do well sales-wise. Um, it'll probably be up to Marvel whether we get a sequel, though, right? Uh, yeah, it's probably Marvel's choice. Do you think they'll be cool with doing one? I This thing nails the characters so well, I have a hard time believing they aren't, They wouldn't be happy with it. I agree. It's, it's going to have to sell a certain amount, but like... Yeah. No, I, 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 reviews are high enough. It should, high enough. It should if get. I were at Marvel, I would be like, uh, make as many of those as you want. In fact, they don't all have to be weird, dark magic things. You yeah. can just do an Avengers game That's true. like that, and that would be great. I would almost prefer that. Yeah. Let's be honest. <laughs> so, yeah, great first attempt, and it should only get better from there. I can't see why Marvel would not be cool with a sequel. No. Unless it just completely tanks. I don't think it did. I don't think it like, will. I don't think it will either. Or if Fraxis has time. Yeah, as Vincent says, if Fraxis has time. Yeah, we haven't got MPDs yet for Midnight Suns, so yeah, keep but our Fraxis fingers crossed. Is big, I mean, look, it's not the same team as making Civ. Right. And as I understand it, a lot of that team was let go. Civ is still going when strong. They were, when they're they still were putting finished. out tons of DLC for Civ 6. So, I mean, basically they'd have to expand to have another team that specifically works on these Marvel things. Yeah. Um, which I, there are worse things worth it. to have to do. <laughs> it's yeah. totally worth it. Yep. Uh, that's a good pick. Uh, my pick for most pleasant surprise, you may be surprised by this pleasantly, hopefully, it's a Steam Deck. I don't even have a Steam Deck, but I have talked to dozens of people who do have them. I've read countless reports. I've watched countless YouTubers do profiles of the Steam Deck, and they all love it. Okay. But I think <laughs> probably that you, I mean, I, I want one. I just can't afford to spend $400 for one. I'll be honest. Like, if I could afford it, I would buy one. I can afford it, and I would never buy this. Really? I, I don't understand it. I don't understand the point. I have a very powerful and, and good gaming PC uh, with. See, a I don't. My PC's getting old and, now. Well, so is mine, but it still works. But it's like yeah. I don't. I would not want to. Why would I want to play a PC game on a tiny little screen like that? I don't, well, it's not I don't that. It's it. not. You don't have to just play it on the tiny screen. You can plug it in and play it on your big TV. It's but like could, a Switch for. Do that with my but own computer. Switch like times six. Yeah, I I don't get it. I'm just gonna go in the other room and, and play a PC game. I've been impressed with it. Um, I've also not, been impressed. Not for the money. And I, I'm not impressed, but for the money. The, 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 the price on this is 100 150 higher than it should be. It's oh, you ridiculous. think so? Yeah, I, I think the, the price on this is obscene. Really? For the amount, especially because, like, you have to spend an obscene amount of money just to get one of the decent amount of storage that can hold more than, like, two games. Like, I, I think the price But the this, tech that's in there is mind-boggling. Yeah, but for no good reason. For the reason. form factor. Yeah, but for no good reason. It's but just, if you, but you say that, why are they sell, flying off the shelves? I mean, they're people, not on shelves. Because people, yeah. Well, <laughs> flying off the You know what I mean. Steam. Like, they're selling very well. Yeah, but because, I don't know, because people are obsessed with this handheld shit, and I don't get it. Like, I don't get it. I, I, don't, I, ha, I don't need that. Like, I get that, like, the, like other people have children and, and spouses and other people in the house that use the TV, and I don't. So, I, you know, I don't ever need to give up right. my devices to other people. Yeah. So, it's, I, don't, I just don't have that use case. Like, I'm never going to choose that. I mean, the, the tech that's in the Steam Deck, though, like, you can plug it into your monitor, and it's like a beastly gaming PC. <laughs> I don't know the beast. I mean, it's better than what I have right now. Sure, like a lot absolutely. better. Like there's a, obviously it wouldn't sell if people didn't 
no, believe in it I think, or I, think it was worth something. Right. It's, it's just I don't get it. But when I said rollout, I meant about how they've done their pre-orders, how they're shipping them out. Like you never hear people bitching about like their Steam Deck. Like they've been waiting That's and they canceled their orders. That's all I heard when they first did it. Not anymore. But that, that, well, this that, is for 2022. Yeah, but after when they started delaying things a year, yeah. like there, there was a lot. But of once arguing. it started in 2022 in February, it has been smooth as butter. I haven't met anyone or talked to anyone who has a Steam Deck that regrets it or doesn't like it. Um, it's, I also don't know anyone who has a Steam Deck who isn't one of us. Like, who isn't, like, a hardcore... Yeah, I mean, those are the only people actually, I, I know. I, actually, I don't know anyone who does... I don't know anyone who has a Steam Deck who isn't industry. Yeah. I don't know a normal person who has a Steam Deck. I don't deck. either. Yeah. But I think that the other thing, too, is that a lot of people feel like they're hard to get when they're really not. Like, you just put your name no, on the list. I mean, you gotta wait. You just wait. But it's not like... Yeah, yeah, they'll take your order right now if you yeah. want. They're, they're, there's, it's not like PS5 where you have to, like, beg for access. Or yeah, whatever. but like when I said I'm impressed with the rollout, I'm comparing their rollout to the rollout of the PS5 and the Xbox oh, Series sure. X, which has been a disaster. So for Valve, who isn't even supposed to be good at this stuff. And hasn't been. And, you're past. right. Hasn't been. For them to knock it out of the park with a Steam Deck, to me, is the most pleasant surprise. Because, Matt, you got to realize pleasant surprise means that you weren't expecting much. Yeah. So I was like you. I was like, oh, this is dumb. This is going to be a failure. No one's going to like it. People are going to get it. They're going to be a piece of junk. They're going to complain about it. None of that happened. So to me, it's a pleasant surprise compared to where I was before it started rolling out in February. Um, I really thought there would be a lot of backlash, people saying it overheated or the frame, like it got too hot and the frame rate started bogging down. Like None of that stuff has happened. They built this great kit of hardware uh, that you can take on the go or you can plug into a monitor and play like a Switch. So um, pleasant surprise for me, I think it was the Steam Deck. Uh, next up, most disappointing. There are there are plenty of options to choose from for this, Matt. In yeah, fact, this was a lot of these. This was probably the hardest category that I had to pick for the entire award. It's like shades of awful. That's basically what it was like picking the winners for this. Matt, what was your most disappointing game product whatever for 2022? Yeah, there are a lot of options. There on are this. so many. But in the end, I picked the thing that I thought should have been the, the biggest slam dunk and wasn't, which was Saints Row. Yeah. Uh, Saints Row, I felt, was kind of a solved problem. It's a special kind of screw-up. And, <laughs> wow. <laughs> no. Like, I, 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 just, I was not expecting a Game of the Year candidate. I wasn't, you know, obviously I wasn't expecting Saints Row to blow the yeah. doors off or anything. I wasn't ready for how subpar this was. Yep. Um, I wouldn't say it's super bad. Like, I still enjoyed it. It's pretty bad, Matt. But, like, it's... It's such a step down from the last few Saints Row I mean, Row games. it was broken. It was... If it wouldn't break, it was buggy. The game looks bad. The missions mm. are dumb. Some of them are just flat out broken. And it's really short. Uh, yeah. Like, if you just do... The, like, the main missions are yeah. over like that. Yep. And it feels like a prologue to I something. know. I, I, I agree with you. I think it's very disappointing. I expected way more from this. Again, I didn't expect it to be a Game of the Year contender. No, but I Particularly a, when we thought this year was going to be amazing. Yeah, before and the game I, but I would delayed. call myself a Saints Row fan overall. I like the Saints Row games. And this was... Not. I would argue that they lost like some of the special sauce from Saints Row as well. Like oh, yeah. I didn't find it as funny or entertaining as it's it typically not. is. And, so, and I mean, part of it is just like they tried to kind of go a little more grounded with it, and I don't see the point. Yeah. Like I, obviously, you cannot really continue off of Saints Row Four because you destroyed the planet right. and <laughs> turned it into a space opera. But yeah. like, and they, you know, there's a lot, way too much time spent with the LARPing thing. Uh huh. Um, it's, it's just. I don't know. Like a lot of it, and like you see, like the shot of like the 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 plane going between the buildings. There, that 
maybe at the end of the game. Like there, there's very little verve to it. You're just this game. Dry. This it game feels very tried to go everywhere and went nowhere. It feels very old. <laughs> like it's like you know the old yeah. GTAs where it was just like okay, uh-huh. just drive here now, drive here now, shoot this guy now, drive yep. here. Yeah. It's, there's no imagination any of it. Checkpoint gaming, which is uh, weird for Saints Row. Usually Saints Row has some good twists and things, and at least some interesting ideas or like some funny thing twists on you know standard missions. But you you go through the standard motions in this game way too often for me to buy all of its irreverent humor yep. because i'm like for all the whole like haha fuck the system stuff they're just doing what everyone's already done and yep. things that they're doing things they made fun of other games doing in their other games you're right like, it's such yeah. a weird <laughs> they broke their own fourth wall it just feels like a massive <laughs> step backwards and even if they yeah. had been technically solid and didn't have the bugs and the, all the unfinished problems in it like it would just felt like a big step back, and yeah. like part of that is I guess they wrote themselves in a corner with how crazy they got with four and got out of hell. Yeah. But also like there's ways to go with that that weren't just sort of like Saints Row two with no tech vetting. Like yeah. it's just, like it just didn't it just didn't work. Yeah. Agreed. Yep. And you got to remember too with disappointing there has to be a level of expectations. And you're a big Saints Row fan, so mm-hmm. you're like, it can't be worse than the last one, and it was pretty good, yeah. so... Whoops. Thus, right. the disappointment. And that's um, even if you're considering the last one, Agents of Mayhem, which, yeah. I, which I didn't particularly like, but still thought was better than this. Yep. Uh, well, my pick for most disappointing game of 2022 is the Callisto Protocol. This was, this was also up there. We've also right. just recently talked about this, so I'm not going to beleaguer it too much here on our Game of the Year Awards. If you want to get our full opinions on this, you can just check out the latest episode of Game Face. Um, but again, this deals, this category, part of it is expectation. So I talked about the last category, how I had low expectations for Steam Deck, and it blew past them. I had extremely high expectations for this, and it underwhelmed. Um, I still can't understand how the person who created these games makes one of these games like 14 years after his first one, and it's not as good as the first one he made 14 years earlier. That, to me, is mind-boggling. It's why I had such high expectations for this. It's like, hey, Glenn, yeah, you laid down this template 14 years ago. What are you going to do with it now? And he did nothing with it. Like, the changes that he made for this compared to Dead Space, nobody requested those changes. No. He changed the stuff that people liked and didn't change the stuff that people didn't like. So, to me, I was really excited for this game. This is right in my freaking wheelhouse. These are the games that I typically really love. And, you know, I'm also a gameplay first guy, and the gameplay in this felt sluggish and detached. Um, Just really ultimately disappointed. This, this to me, this game is all Flash and no substance. You watch this trailer... You're like, hot damn, that game looks awesome. And then you start playing, you're like, wait a minute, where did that game go that I saw? Well, I see through the trailer now. Right. Part of it is just like, I, it's, it's, you know, it's it, like Dead Space's hook for me is how how many options it gives you with the combat and how creative you can get with how to deal with things. And there isn't really that in this yep. game. It's just, it's, but on the good, on the good side, um, Dead Space, the Dead Space remake went gold. So. Yeah. Yep. Maybe we'll be saved here. Is it January it comes out? Yeah. Yeah. So late, soon. late January. But that's Glenn's game <laughs> that they're remaking. It'll be interesting to see if they made it better than Glenn's new game. I Probably. I, it would have to be. Yeah, they'd unless, have to screw up pretty unless bad. Unless they took that pistol out. <laughs> like the mining pistol out. I don't that's true. See, you know. That's true. That's a good the game. Point. The gameplay loop and hook of, of uh, Dead Space is inherently more interesting than, this, than Callisto Protocols. Yeah. That's the problem. Yeah, it's true. Uh, okay, up next, biggest news story... There weren't a lot of 
big game releases this year, but there were a lot of big news stories. A lot of things. It was happened. kind of an insane year. News. There's certainly a lot of news. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not enough games, but more than enough news. And Matt, to you, what was the biggest story of them all from 2022? Uh, that would. I think that have to be Microsoft uh, attempts to purchase Activision Blizzard. I think that's the only answer. Mm. Um, I picked something different just because it's the only thing that caused international legal problems. Yeah. So I, I picked something different because I'm just like, well, I'll pick something else. We can discuss something both. else. Yeah, I can't do the same thing. But you're right. This is the biggest news story, and it's still ongoing, and yeah. it's going to continue gonna right into going. 2023. And I'm still completely flummoxed by what the hell is going on. I don't know. So, Sony seems to have convinced the courts or the FTC that um, uh, only Activision can make first-person shooters yeah. or something. I don't. Yeah, and no one else can do it. Apparently, there's no logic behind it at all. And so this is going to drag on. It may even get to the point where we get to July. The deadline and the deal doesn't close. And then does Microsoft owe like two billion or something or three billion if the deal doesn't close by July? I'm not clear on. There's some on, huge on penalty. There, yeah, there's a big. <laughs> they're gonna have to pay. There's a big fine. Yeah, for it, basically. I mean, we could be here this time next year, which is bizarre. That because it's still the biggest news story. It might be. <laughs> it could still be going. Yeah. this time next year. It's it's very weird. It's and very so silly. bizarre. There's a bunch of other stuff that probably should have been blocked if this gets blocked. Right. And like, it feels like somebody's just trying to make an example of it. It feels like there's not. some like one person. Who has just made it their vendetta to like make sure this deal doesn't go? It through. might be like you never know who's got who and what's what pocket, right? So yeah, all the political action committees and all this crap, like yeah. So who knows what's going on there? But it is undoubtedly the biggest news. We've yeah. talked about it on Game it's Face just like, like six times this year. It's just weird that like you know everybody complains that you know the, the antitrust stuff doesn't activate properly, and now it is for something that is patently not antitrust. There's no antitrust argument to this purchase. Like, and Microsoft just keeps giving more and more concessions. Now call of duty for 10 years. Like Mm -hmm. does call of duty even matter in 10 years? Who knows? Probably not. It may not. It's crazy. So anyway, undoubtedly that's the biggest news story of the year. I picked something else just so we could discuss something else. And for me, the biggest news story is stadia and game streaming rest in peace, because I do feel like with stadia, going down it was it's the canary in the coal mine it's this is google with all the resources and money in the world creating a streaming platform with some of the biggest developers in the world allegedly helming games if this didn't work it's never gonna work and so to me google stadia going under was a much the bigger story is that game streaming isn't people aren't ready for game streaming that's what this says and so you have Amazon Luna and GeForce Now. They all had like these little brief glimpses of hope and opportunity, and I feel like they're gone now. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if like the technology that's been developed for game streaming ends up being incorporated into TVs and stuff like that, and it's not really taken seriously. It is seriously like the casual player's only way that they play games eventually. But for our purposes, for you know, being hardcore gamers, people who really love games, it's over. So we're never going to have... It was over before it started. It, it kind of was. But we're if, never going to have... If they invited me to the meetings, this would never happen. <laughs> the duh consulting yeah. firm. <laughs> Hire us. Um, so it's we just... We will save you millions of dollars. Yeah, seriously. Billions in this case. Uh, Did so they spend billions on this? Google? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's... On Stadia? Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. Think about just like the, oh, how boy. many the salaries that they paid. I hope, I hope Jade got paid. Oh, she, you know she yeah. did. You know she did. That's the only good thing that came out of this. Yeah. <laughs> she got way overpaid, probably. But this is the end. This is the end of game streaming as something that we discussed. It's something that may or may not seem viable for us. That's settled now. 
Um, it's a big deal because this was a big thrust, not just for Google, but for other gigantic corporations with lots of resources who could have potentially just tried to use blunt force trauma to push this idea through the channels, and that is not going to happen now. Solutions in search of problems rarely find a place to land. Yep, it's absolutely true, and this was one of them. And game streaming, Google Stadia, rest in peace. Don't let the door hit you where yeah, the good you lord split you. I, I don't mean, don't, don't rest in peace. Rest don't, in torment. Die. Die don't, screaming. Don't go I'm, away, sad. Just go just away. Go away. I don't I don't have it. No, no, no mercy for the for the streaming game thing. That's a terrible, terrible idea. Yep. So anyway, it is now dust in the wind, thanks to Google Stadia. My biggest news story. Especially if you want sixty bucks from it. That was the big, <laughs> at least they refunded everything. Yep, they did. I mean they did do right by people in the end, but yeah. it was just a terrible idea, horribly executed. They, but they could have absolutely been within their their tos and to their rights it. to just be like oh sorry bad. you knew what you were signing up you for knew what this was well, i mean we did tell you, you guys you were buying nothing <laughs> i mean we did tell people like don't buy anything on stadia because it could just go poof yep and you're lucky if you did that they refunded the money so all right there you go it's biggest be- news story it's better than the people bought nfts got <laughs> yep uh next up worst game now i say this every year but i'll say it again there are undoubtedly worse games out there. Like this isn't this is another one of these awards where I'm like this is not our a definitive I, pick. I don't know if I'm willing to concede that this for mine. <laughs> there but, are. I think there's there are. I mean maybe if you dig into like the weird right. one-off porn yeah. shit that's up on Steam all the time. But yeah. like in terms of major releases, I think I got this one. You probably you may have. Um but I, again, I want to reiterate that like you may have played worse games than the games that we're going to discuss. These are the worst games that Matt and I played. And Matt, what's your pick for Babylon's 2022? Fall. <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> 4.0 Metacritic, as we just saw with my fantasy results, my video game fantasy league results, where this was one of my alternates. It uh, it got a 4.0 on one platform and like a 4.6 on another one for an overall aggregate of 4.3. This is one of the lowest rated games in recent memory in ever from a big uh, in publisher. Terms of the big publisher releases. Yeah. yeah, I would argue that I think a four is harsh. I would argue that a four is accurate. <laughs> uh, this is a terrible game. Like, there's no redeeming characteristics to this thing. Uh, I only played it for a couple hours, but that's all I wanted to spend of my finite lifespan on this planet playing this stupid game. Well, I played it more, and a lot more, actually, and I don't, I'm not proud of it. But it, <laughs> it, it is a functional game. Like, it's not broken. Like, it does what it's supposed to do. It has terrible graphics, and it doesn't do anything innovative. And I would argue that this trailer is a big pile of horse shit. Yeah, the trailer is... Uh... This, the most misleading thing ever you can in fact do the things that are in this but you will not be doing them very often yeah like never like once the whole time you play the game but the game is not broken like it functions the way it's supposed to it doesn't have bugs like it's just a bad idea it's a collection of horrible ideas yeah done horribly executed badly yes (laughs) that's a good way to put it and for those of you wondering it is it was supposed to be a game as a service that lived on and on they had already finished the first season of dlc before the game release so they still put out that first season but then very quickly square enix killed it's it. shut down now, it's shut yeah, down it's now over. yeah yep so it is r.i.p rumor is avengers <laughs> is going away in march really that actually has lasted longer than i thought yeah they, i mean that sold pretty well really from the outset <laughs> yeah. it was, it was not an i thought it problem. might die a lot quicker than it has um so yeah Remember i don't think anthem yeah exactly <laughs> like i don't think anyone's gonna argue with you over a babylon's fall it's a bad game there's no doubt about it but there's another game and maybe it wasn't that i felt like this was as bad but it was so bad that it pissed me off way more 
And that is Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. This game angered me because it's like you've been making Pokemon games for how many freaking years? And you put out a turd like this after like 20 entries? Like, it just boggles the mind. Like, and look, I'm not even just mad at Game Freak for making a bad game. I'm mad at Nintendo for allowing this game to be released, particularly when they already had a Pokemon game for this year. There was no reason to release this if it was in the crappy state that it was in. None. And this game does have some stuff that's broken in it. It does have horrible graphics. It does run at a slog in its dodgy frame rates. It does have a terrible story. It it does have a bunch of Pokemon that I don't care about. It, the changes that it did make, I don't like or agree with. Like, the only thing that this that game has redeeming about it is what it learned from Arceus, which is its open world. And I do think that that's the way forward for Pokemon. Everything else about this game, I did not like. It is the least... I have played a Pokemon game ever, ever, Matt. Hmm. I have played every Pokemon game ever released, every mainline. This is the one I have played the least as far as the number of hours. I got done playing this for Game Face. I think I played another two hours of it, and I have not gone back. And I do not miss it, and I don't think I will go back. I have definitely played this more than I played Sword. More than Sword and Shield? What was the last one? Sword and Shield. Yeah, Sword I played the least. Wow. I'm surprised not to hear that. Any, not for any... I finished it. ...negative thing about I it. I finished, it was, like, every Pokemon game, except for this one. The thing... Here, so here's the thing about this. Is the funny thing about this game is, like, the people... I know people who, who have it, especially younger people who grew up with Pokemon. Almost universally, the their reaction to this has been... They love everything about what it's doing and what it's trying to do, but they dislike how technically broken it is. Like, mm. it's basically, like... If this, there's, I've heard multiple times from unrelated people, if this game worked right and ran well, if it was like on hardware that could handle it and was finished, you know, it didn't like, look like ass. Like, this would be like my favorite Pokemon. Really? Period. Like, Why? I don't know. The story is so terrible. There the hardly story, is one. The story is just Pokemon, though. There's never uh, the only, only black and white has had a story that actually stuck. It's in my the head only good all. one. Yeah. But they've um, never been as bad as this. I mean, I don't even know that there is a story. It's hard for me to even, like, say what is the plot in this game. I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I couldn't tell you the plot of any Pokemon game outside of the first well, one. Well, they all have, like, some little theme that goes along with them. Right. And this one, you're just sort of... But this one doesn't. Well, that's because they pick three and kind of you can go do whatever plot line. I don't know. I just I, I think it's it's very hard to get into it because it, it's so choppy and broken and technically a mess. But, like, I do like what they're trying to go for in terms of sort of being a halfway point between Arceus and this. Like, I think the open world is pretty compelling in terms of, like, the idea. I don't think it gets there. I mean, I agree with you. That's the um, one thing I said. I'm like, the open world is the way forward. They need to make yeah. these games open world going forward. I mean, they're, 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 they're taking baby stuff. I mean, again, the, the, the big issue I have with this game is I, I did like it okay. But the, the, the performance and technical issues just kind of stopped me from bothering with it after a certain point. Um, I because that, that, I mean that's why I stopped I mean, this one. I stopped. Yeah, I playing, feel like your tune has changed since we talked about it on Game Face. I stopped playing Sword and Shield because um, I just felt I'd done everything in Pokemon again. This made yeah. me feel like there was stuff. I didn't. I didn't feel like I was repeating the same Pokemon formula again, exactly the way I already had five or six times. Um, it just wasn't very fun to play after a while because the flaws just kept kind of magnifying and magnifying and magnifying until you just couldn't ignore them anymore. Yeah. Um, if there was a way to, that's the thing is like, and like, I didn't even have the hope that it would get patched up and be fun better later. Cause I don't think you can 
<laughs> probably I don't, I don't think Game Freak it. can do There's that no any better it. than yeah. yeah. No. It's like maybe if it's if the next, it would have been fixed already. Yeah, and if like the next switch is backwards compatible, maybe just the extra power boost would help. But like I don't know. I think a lot of that is just inherently in that game. Yeah, the way it was built, quote yep. unquote. Um, it's their engine. Yeah, like they, there needs to be some kind of come to Jesus thing with how the Pokemon company does these things because it's just not up. The thing is, as you, as you say, it's not up to Nintendo's standards. Like, yeah, even the smallest, weirdest one-off Nintendo game doesn't way more come poly- out like it doesn't that. Look like this. It's yeah. just, it's it doesn't just run ridiculous. like that. It doesn't look like that. Yeah. Um, no, it's just like you know, like, and it's not you know. There's games where you know that Kirby game could have totally been half-assed and no one would have really cared except the Kirby fans and there's not enough of them to really matter. But it isn't. But it's not. Yep. It's not. It's yep. it's to a fine sheen. And the Pokemon games just aren't. And yep. I know that that's because Nintendo doesn't technically make them, but everyone in the fucking world thinks, thinks that Pokemon it does. is a Nintendo <laughs> game. <laughs> yeah, yeah they do. And of course the other issue... It's its name on the line. And of course it's not other, Game Freak right. or Pokemon Company. And of course yeah. the other irritating thing about this one is that I do like a lot of the new new things in it and new ideas and where they're trying to take it, but they're all things that should have happened on like the Wii. Yeah, they're all things that are fifteen years. Yeah, they behind. drag their feet forever. Yeah. and part of that was because they were on ha- handheld, but part of that is because they were afraid to leave handhelds yeah. for so long. It was like, yep. you know, and there's an argument Cash to be made that, that maybe this is the only time, the first time it's made sense because the Switch is a handheld as well as a console. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it feels so day late and dollar short, um, especially in comparison to things like Temtem and. Uh, to me, it just feels bad. What's the other <laughs> it's one? A bad game. What's the other one that's not out yet? <laughs> Die, die, oh, you know, Doki, Doka X, or yeah, Doki, yeah that other, the other Korean about. thing that looks like super high definition 4K Pokemon, yeah, like that looks. Yeah, there are other awesome. developers I've making shown that better trailer, games. I've shown that trailer to a bunch of my Pokemon fan friends, and they're like, "Oh my god, that looks like the greatest thing ever!" I'm yeah. like, "Yeah, because it looks like what Pokemon should look should like." Should look now. like in it's 2022. Like, yep. Okay, let's move on. Next category. Doki V. That's it. Doki V. Yep. Next category. Game we didn't get. This is a game that other people either seem to like or hate, but we feel differently about it, and we can't understand why people feel that way. Matt, what is the game that you did not get? Um, I don't know how many people did get this necessarily, <laughs> but if, this is the one when I see people praising it uh, as uh, kind of at the end of the year, like, what did you like thing? Yeah. I just go, what's wrong with you? Oh, I've seen people praising this game. And that is Stranger of Paradise Final <laughs> Fantasy Origin, which is maybe the dumbest thing I played this year. <laughs> I've seen lots of people in the last like month or just around the internet and social media like in hindsight saying you know what now actually like that's one of my favorite games of the year it's yeah, like that, that's you're mostly just you're mostly just saying something about 2022 <laughs> at that point um yeah this, this was in contention for worst game i played this but it's just, it's just I mean why my, my question is why does this game exist yeah there's absolutely there's no redeeming qualities in it there's nothing there the plot doesn't matter to anything else it's like no, kind it's, of rehashing an old plot it doesn't do anything it does better than the other games that do the same thing no there's no reason for um, this game to exist i don't get it yeah, i just it was, it was didn't team ninja got a contract for i guess 18 I months like that's why it exists like, and this is this is the shit where i'm just when you it's, i mean stuff like this is part of why you're like oh my god i want a new ninja guy den I'm like you want a new ninja guy den when this is what they fucking make well now? this i don't think team ninja poured their heart and soul into this maybe I think not this was a like, quick buck for them from square on, enix like, what a, but 
what a disaster. Yeah. I mean, um, I don't get it either. And now that I see people, like, in hindsight being like, actually, it wasn't that bad. No, it was that bad. No, it wasn't that bad. It, <laughs> it was, was definitely that bad. It may be worse, honestly. Because it came out during a dry period. So we probably gave it a little bit more of benefit of the doubt than maybe we should have. We're, we, we are human, after all. <laughs> I mean, look, we did rail it, let's be yeah. honest. But we probably could have dug into it even harder than we did when we talked about it all. It also reminds, I mean, and part of this is because I watched this seven and a half hour retrospective on Castlevania. In hind- I didn't think of it at the time, I don't think, but it does kind of remind me of the bad 3D Castlevania games. It reminds me yeah. of like Lament of Innocence, where it's That's just like, a good way. <laughs> why are you doing this <laughs> yeah. to me? Why, why well, I understood why they did it, because Castlevania. Right, because you want money from you think that's what yeah. you need to do now, but it's like at that same element of... It's like of this, like, they tacked on Final Fantasy at yeah, the end. Like, why, <laughs> why did you... Like, I understand if you pitch me the baseline, like what this is, why you think that's maybe a good idea. Like an action-driven game... Where we retell the story of Final Fantasy One. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I get, yeah. Sure. That sounds decent on but paper. What? <laughs> what? And all the chaos shit. Like, <laughs> so dumb. That just kept making. That just kept making me think of the thing in Lament of Innocence, where the vampire is all like, "I am beloved by the night," and the guy you're yeah. playing is like, "I'll kill you and the night." I'm like, <laughs> "What are you talking about? What does that even fucking mean?" That's a great line, though. We remember it all these years later. <laughs> So yeah, this this is good for like future like chaos running gags, but that's about all I. I, I and I, I I mean I, we talked about it uh, earlier in the week on the Final Fantasy 16 thing, but I nothing nothing this game more than anything else really drives home how thrilled I am that Final Fantasy 16 is just doing fantasy shit yeah. and is not doing this weird ass why are they fighting in a fucking spaceship oh, a dragon in his, <laughs> and then they go back to like this medieval town like, what are you doing why? remember the scenes in the town where you walk in and like all the kids are like running yeah. up to you it's so crazy it's, I, I, I guess I, I get that some people like that, that dichotomy or that oh. kind of dissonance that that creates but I've always thought that no. was stupid no it's stupid and terrible man like the I don't closest, care what they- like I, I, as far as I go is in like Final Fantasy VI, where like there's the Magitech thing, where you have like the airships and the things powered by crystals. We're like that's cool, <laughs> but like I have never understood the weird sci-fi mixed with things thing. Like the, that's why I'm started. hyped for Final Fantasy XVI because it's going back to fantasy. Yeah, like the fact that none of, all none of this, this weird, like, no one's running around in cyborg gear and <laughs> yeah. shit. Like awesome. I right? hear you. Yep. There is one fantasy RPG series that I like that like, that that mix in, and it's called Fantasy Star, and they don't do it anymore except yeah. in that online service game that I don't yeah. play. Yep. Um. Blech. Yep. Agreed. Yeah, I don't get it either. I don't get why anyone would like that game. <laughs> uh, my choice for game we didn't get. Probably not going to be too surprised by this if you guys know me pretty well, and that is Elden Ring. It's a From Software game, and I will never get them. I will never understand why people enjoy being frustrated and beating their head against the wall. Um, again, this game I played way longer than any other From Software game. Still at 20 hours after I had done the stream, and the stream had kind of run its course, and you guys had lost your curiosity and me getting my ass beat over and over by this game, and you guys stopped watching the streams. I was done. I had no interest in continuing to play it at all, other than I regret that I didn't get to see as much of the game as I would have liked to have. Like, I wish I had seen another 20 bosses in this game than I did. Um, but what I found was that I just ended up Most watching... Most of them are the bosses you already fought. No, you're so, right. You know, they, like... they do recycle them a lot. But um, look, I will always remember this game for Shane versus Elden Ring. Like, the time that I spent with you guys on the stream, with you guys helping me in the communal part of that... But the actual game itself, like, I don't get it. I'll never get why people enjoy playing From Software's games. I just won't. 
Like I've been doing this a long time and like there's there's not going to be a day where like a switch flips inside my brain and I'm like, I get it. I know why you guys want to play these games now. I just don't. So um, I don't begrudge you guys in different strokes for different folks, but this is definitely a different stroke for this folk. I just do not like From Software's games and it's it's okay. Like it, it wouldn't bother me that much if I didn't like so much about their games. I've said this before. I love their flipping art. I love their creature design. I love everything about their games except for the difficulty. So again, like I didn't get it. I have a feeling that there's probably a couple million other people in the United States that feel the same exact way. They're like, wait a minute. Like, why do people love this stuff? Not so everyone much? who bought this game could possibly have loved it. No, so. definitely not. So as I said earlier in, in the show, um, it'll be interesting to see how Elden Ring 2 does. If a lot of the people who line up for this line up again, um, and I will play it again, obviously, because I have to, because it's my job. But would I do it just to enjoy myself and have fun? Hell to the no. So to me, game I didn't get, Elden Ring. Next up, best platform. This is where we pick what the best console, PC, handheld, whatever was for the year. This tends to change every year. Like I can't remember, mm-hmm. PS4 won it two years in a row. Yeah, like once the Pro came out, that was I think that was it. I think one year I gave it a PC. Yep, we gave it to Switch one year in there too. Um, but this award tends to fluctuate because it's just natural with the cycle of the industry. Like it just the way it works out. A lot of platform holders tend to have like a big rash of big exclusives, and then it's kind of thin. PlayStation, the worst for this, it will have a banner year that blows your doors off, and then you get a year like this one where there's like nothing. Mm-hmm. So. It fluctuates, and so our awards for this tend to fluctuate. Matt, what was your pick for the best platform of 2022? Uh, the thing I played the most, which was the Xbox Series X. And I'm guessing this was most to do with Game Pass? Partly Game Pass, and partly just because most stuff seems to perform better and have room to install versus the PS5. Yeah. Um, and I just played most stuff on it. Like, that was the thing I, I turned on every day to play a game. Uh, if I'm going to sit down and play something and decide what I'm going to play and I don't have a, a specific game in mind, I'm going to turn that on. Um, that might have been different if my PC had been more up to date right. these days. Yeah. But um, but it wasn't. So I didn't feel like, you know, I wasn't getting really much better performance out of my old PC than I would from a console. And I, you know, I tend to pick the couch. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, the Xbox was just what I, you know, obviously there were no exclusives to speak of that were of any interest or use. Uh, I mean, it's, it's about Game Pass, right? Yeah, uh, largely, but it's also about being the best hardware to play multi-platform stuff on. Yeah, because um, this was a year for multi-platform, for sure. Yeah, there wasn't, you know, and obviously PlayStation Xbox 5. Xbox had no exclusives, PlayStation had no exclusives. Yeah, it did. Not really. Horizon. Yeah. And get, I mean, have one at the beginning of the year and one at the end. Yeah, but that's about all you can ask these days. <laughs> that's all you can ask for PlayStation. I, but I'm about to tell you about another platform that had like 12. So, <laughs> yeah, um, but you're going to have to give me one that has exclusives I care about. Okay. Which, which Nintendo doesn't have most of the time. Okay. Well, you just ruined my pick. So oh, we'll just sorry. move right along to my pick. And my pick is the Nintendo Switch. Um, it destroyed this year. I have no idea what you're talking about. Splatoon 3. Don't care. Two huge Pokemon games. Kirby, hated, let me let me just finish. Kirby in the Forgotten Land, Bayonetta 3, Mario Plus Rabbids, Xenoblade Chronicles 3, Switch Sports, Harvestella, Dragon Quest Treasures. Um Harvestella wasn't exclusive. Yeah, it is. I almost bought that on Xbox, I thought. No, uh-uh. Return to Monkey Island, console exclusive for Switch. Um I can't read. Oh. Fire Emblem Warriors. That was good. 
Live Alive. All Switch exclusives. I was on Windows. That's where I almost got it. It was a gigantic year for Switch. You, every, you, there, there are, I think, three games in that list I cared about. So Really? Yeah, I like Fire two, Emblem. There's two Pokemon games alone. They didn't, they didn't set my world on fire there. I mean, Arceus was fine, but like the three games... That in the, there are three games in there, I, I, maybe four. I can't remember. But it, I liked the Fire Emblem game a lot. I liked uh, Mario Rabbit's Switch. And there was another one you listed I liked. Oh, Xenoblade. Those, the, I, those, are, those are great. The rest... Mm. Those are a lot compared to zero or two. <laughs> three is more than two, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I think I, I'm shocked. I didn't like any of. I didn't like any like, of those games. Switch, it, Switch is the best platform of 2022, man. Like, there's no denying. Only it. if you care they about the game. Killed. They Only... put out like 12 exclusives, and no one else has more than two. But I don't care about all any of them except three of them. So <laughs> it doesn't do me any good. Okay. I, I think you're completely wrong on this one. I'm like, not because I like. Switch had a what great I... year. It should be platform of the year. It's not because I didn't like it very much. Like I didn't. Re- are we just doing it because it's a business proposition for Nintendo? Like, sure, then they have no. It's this. output. It's I don't what care games. about output if I don't like the output. What if they just put out so- uh, ver- variants of the new Pokemon game all year and they had fourteen of them? That would be. But they the don't, best and they didn't. But they put out great games. They put out three great games and a bunch of shit I don't want to play. So <laughs> okay, not my not my platform of the year. <laughs> Useless exclusive. It's like if both. If both uh, Sony exclusives have been days gone two and three, I would not be praising those exclusives. Well, the other thing I would say, too, though, is that beyond the exclusives, there is also a pretty good year for third party on Switch because they there was a lot of games that came out for Switch this year that I never dreamed would be on Switch. And not even just like cloud versions, like versions that run natively on the Switch. So even third like party, it was better than usual for Switch, like The Witcher 3. Okay, but the worst version of Witcher 3, which I already had from seven years ago. Yeah, like, it's still the Witcher 3. It's still it doesn't do game. me any good, though. I've, I'm picking my favorite platform, the platform I, I use the most and work the best for me this year, and I barely turn the Switch on except to play the odd exclusive that I think is worthwhile. Or to sometimes look at whatever they add to the retro online thing, even though... Oh, that's I, the other thing, too. We didn't even get into that. Like, all the, the virtual console stuff, all the N64 stuff, well, all the Sega Genesis stuff. Well, I don't play any of that because I refuse to give them extra money for that because it's not worth it. Oh, you me. don't pay for Nintendo Online? I pay for Nintendo Online. I don't pay for the extra thing on that that lets you access the N64 and Mega Drive stuff. Oh. Uh, that's bullshit. I don't know. To me, Switch won it in a landslide. Like, it's not even... It's like, Switch... And then the other two, like, I can't even see them. Like, it's not even in, like, the same stratosphere. So That's fun. I would never, ever have considered Switch for this category. Well, you hate the Switch. Let's just be yeah. honest. You hate the Switch. Except- I, I mean, in seven years of doing this show, however long the Switch has been around, it's become obvious that you hate the Switch. Yeah. I don't hate all the games on it. but Most I think- of them. A lot of them, yeah. Like, I can't remember the last Switch game you really liked. Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Did you really like that? Yeah, you didn't really gush like over it on Game Face. No, because it's not as good as one. But I don't yeah. think they'll ever make a, a game in that series as good as one. Yeah. Um, and Mario Rabbids I really liked. But, like, yeah. Like, it's just... I, I Nintendo's output is very limited to me um, in a lot of ways in that regard. Um, and sometimes even the thing I think I am going to love that comes out, like Metroid Dread, I don't like. I don't love. Yeah, like, I mean, I, I agree with that as well. Um, we'll see how Zelda turns out. Like, God knows. Um, like, at this point, I'm really sort of just crawling my way from Zelda and Mario game to Zelda and Mario game with them. That's crazy. Um, You're really missing out on a lot of great stuff. I played almost everything you listed. I just didn't like much of it. Yeah. I don't like it. Like, I don't think they're very good, and I think they're held back by the garbage hardware. Maybe when the new system comes out, 
like that'll remedy some of that. But I think I, it feels like plain ancient shit to me. Like so much of it is so held back by that. It's it's frustrating. I find the switch frustrating more than anything else. Yeah, I mean it's a secret. Um, I, I don't begrudge the switch at all. Like I'm not like gaga over it like i don't really play the handheld side of it that much i just think they had a ton of great games this year way more than anyone else and to me it's all about the games i mean i agree that they had a ton of games i just don't think they were great except for two wow plus one plus two, one two pokemon games in chronicles three bayonetta three i hated Kirby. bayonetta three why would you list bayonetta three at me in this argument no like, i'm just because it's got an 86 metacritic and you may not like it, but you still have to respect the fact that a lot of other people do. No, I don't. I'm, no, I'm not my... saying you have to pick the Switch, but you're you're very dismissive of it. You're not respecting that other people like stuff differently from you, and therefore maybe the Switch had a great year, just not for you. I never argued otherwise. Okay. Anyway, let's move on. For me, best platform Switch, not even close by like 50,000 miles. Uh, next up, best graphics. And this is where we start to have runners up for each category. So the ne- we're almost done, actually. We only have like four four more categories left. And we have runners up and winners for each of those going forward. So this is where we get to kind of the big boys, the ones that we really want to accentuate. Best graphics. Two years into these next-gen platforms. What really blew your doors off, Matt? Um, well, so another potential candidate for most disappointing game, um, but didn't didn't make it. But A Plague Tale Requiem is gorgeous. Yeah. There's, there's no denying this is one of the prettiest games of the year. Yeah, the one area it did not disappoint in was the visuals. Well, that was one the one element of the game that we were both unanimous on yeah. that we both thought were, was gobsmacking was the visuals. Yeah. Just, this was next-gen only, by the way. Yeah. And it makes and you can a tell. big difference. <laughs> you can tell from the from the opening shot. Yep. You can tell. Yeah. It's stunning. Like, just moment after moment. The I've never seen better video game water than the water in yeah, this game. Yeah. Water and, honestly, foliage. Yeah. Like, they the foliage, in, like, and they know it because they keep panning the fucking yeah. camera through the trees. Even the these the villages too, the, though, yeah. just how alive all everything it. is. Just, it. There's it's, a there's a density to it that is is really impressive. Like you want, this is one of those things. Where, you know, this is one of those things you could show this to me in like 1989, and I like die. <laughs> I just I die. Yeah, yeah, my brain would just turn to mush and ooze out my ears. Like the idea that they, that games look like this now. Like even though I didn't like this very much, yeah. which was a disappointment because I did like the first one a lot. Like. What the hell? Like, every shot in this is... This is another game I may go back and try to play a little more of. I could try it again. I feel like yeah. I've had, like, several people who I really respect say, you need to stick with it. And I did play a good bit of it, to yeah, be fair, I, but... I hate that. I hate I know. the whole, like, oh, Then it it's not a great game. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, if, it, if it doesn't hold me and suck me in, then it's not yeah, a great it's, game. It's the old adage. It's, like, the most important most important sentence in a book is the first one yeah like you either hook someone at the on that first page or you don't and you failed like and this game doesn't i could it, it doesn't do it it starts quiet and you can start quiet but like the first real complications to the plot make the characters act like idiots and you lost me yeah. especially because they don't do that in the first game yeah yeah i think i think it's a step back narratively in a lot of ways which is a shame because they tried some new gameplay ideas i don't think super worked but like yeah and visually like i don't think just, it worked a lot of the gameplay tweets worked at all no it just <laughs> it, it, it i mean maybe it's like a more of a choice i didn't agree with i could go with that but i don't think it worked I, yeah the, 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 but it is beautiful there's no gorgeous. denying that Absolutely it is a gorgeous. gorgeous game definitely worthy of your runner-up for best graphics my runner-up is Elden Ring. Not for its technical prowess, although it's not terrible. Um, 
It's for the art and something that I have always respected from From Software and why it drives me crazy that I can't play their games for longer than I can because I want to experience the worlds that they build, the creatures that they create, the bosses that they forge. I love everything about From Software's art and visual design. It's amazing. And this game is probably the best of everything that they've done. Like, just look at that it's shot right there. definitely everything they've learned all packed into one yeah. game. And this is graphic. So this is, you know, I'm talking about yeah. the visuals in the game. And yeah. From Software's art is, just, even in Armored Core 6, you think mechs, which are just this, they're just steel. or But there's a style to it. Mm-hmm. There's, I don't even know how to armored put it in Armored Core works. mechs do look like Armored Core mechs in a weird way that's hard to describe. Yeah. It's just, look, that dragon, like... The art in this game is just exceptional, and I, I will admit and cop to the fact that usually every year when we do these awards, I pick one game for the art and then another game that I feel like does everything very well. And this th- for this year, this game is the art. Even just the skyboxes in this game are astounding. Everything in this game looks amazing. Now, would it have looked better if it had been built for just PS5 and Xbox series? Probably. But that's for Elden Ring 2. So, and they built this game pretty quickly, too. From Software doesn't mess around. It's pretty amazing, their output. Especially when you play this game and you realize how big it is and how much stuff there is yeah, in the a game. Lot in there. It's I mean, a lot, and it all looks incredible. So, my honorable mention for best graphics for 2022, Elden Ring. Definitely on my list, but... Um... Yeah, I just I was I was kind of going for like most impressive usage of things, and I guess my, your pick's not wrong. I guess my pick for not, the top pick, winner pick, is more of my the art over mm-hmm. the tech. Yeah, Plague Tale was the tech pick. Yep. And what is your second pick? Winner, your winner for winner best pick graphics? is Horizon Forbidden West. Yeah, which is uh, again maybe not on the level of Plague Tale in terms of like sheer technical stuff. But in terms of taking that art style, taking the look, and, and I mean, this is this is a Ghost of Tsushima thing for me. This is like this no, is no both game, our picks, by the way. This is our yeah. unanimous winner. No program. other game took the use of art and color and place and everything. It just comes together in a way above above and beyond every other game I played this year. This is our. We both chose Horizon yeah. Forbidden West as for best graphics of 2020. Yeah, nothing else made me just stop. And look all the time as often as this all game. the time, even out in the open world yeah. when you're out in these just huge vistas mm-hmm. and it's just stunning. And then the, you have the hardware power so that you, everything's being drawn and rendered. So stuff's not popping in all the time. And then you go underwater. Like there's just there were so many moments in this game that I remember just for the visuals. Like the turtle when the turtle comes up out of the swamp, like some of the stuff they spoiled in some of the early trailers for this. But the creatures, like the the detail on the creatures mm-hmm. in this game, it's just amazing. Like and you look at like some of the bigger creatures that are like pushing more polygons on their legs than in like entire, entire PS3 games. Yeah, and it's, it's like, amazing. Yep. So for from both a technical and an artistic perspective, to me, easily the mm-hmm. best graphics. And people may be sitting there now saying, "What about God of War?" Like. God of War cheats a little bit to me. It's not a true open world, and I would argue that even though it's not a true open world, it doesn't look better than this game. No, and I also don't think it. I don't think it pushes. Even though they're both you know cross gen games, I don't think God of War pushes the way this does. Me either. Look at the light coming through the trees right there. Certainly versus the previous game. Yeah. Um, This is. This is you play this and you're like, oh my god, this This is is such a different, a different way of looking than the than the previous game. Like it's it's a whole look at that. 
another level. You're look, you're constantly looking at things in this game. You're like, this would never have been in the first game. No, yeah, yeah. they wouldn't have been able to do it in the first game. Yeah. Even on the, even though this does run on the PS4, they still found a way. Which on. is like witchcraft, by the way. Yeah. Well, some <laughs> of that, I think, some of that is Kojima. I think some of that is what they learned working with him on really because it's the same engine. Yeah, like they, Decima. They, yeah. There's definitely some 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 give and take on that. It's not and not even just the creatures. Look at the detail in the foliage and just yeah. everything. It's it's stunning. First and, God of War looks good, but it looks like God of War. Yeah. Agreed. It doesn't look that much better than God of War from 2018 running on a PS4 Pro. Honestly. Yeah. It does the job. Yeah. It's got some nice stuff. It's not a it. bad looking game, but it, it can't hang. It would definitely be in the top five. Yeah. Probably. It can't like, hang with this. Not yeah, It's not on the level of yep. this. So just, unima- just the design of these creatures. Like, the fact that you can throw those different versions of that same creature. I mean, I know which one is the working for the humans because of the decorations and the paint on them. Versus yeah, like, yeah. It's like the, the, the way the world is built and the way the way you can just tell what you're looking at. Yeah. And you don't even necessarily need the video gamey signs to tell you where you need to go or what to climb up things or what things are like it, it's it, that stuff's there and it's there if you need it and it's there as part of like kind of the user interface but like you could get you could play an, a non HUD version of this game yeah just because the art is so strong and the, and the environments are so strong it's there's it's a little remarkable. bit of uncanny valley going on with the humans here and there like every, but yeah. still like that's the, but also again giant step up oh the yeah first one. the facial animation yeah. and everything is like. A leap Considering forward. the first one, we're like, their lips don't really move, do they? And yeah. this one, it's like, well, their eyebrows might not be right raising enough. It's a totally different thing. Yep. And the, the just the level of of character, like an, facial animation and expressions, mostly the characters other than Aloy. Aloy is a is kind of stone faces or whatever. Yeah. A lot of this, although I think that's in character for her. Yeah. Um, really good uh, 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 people of color in this. Yeah, like, like that's a good point. Some of the, yep. some of the best uh, like non-white faces you're ever going to see. Like they did a Skin tone, great lighting Skin helps with tone, that. Yeah. Uh, facial structure, like making everybody look like different individual people. Like it's it's very, very impressive, just top to bottom. Yep. W- water's not as good as Plague Tale. But, yep, <laughs> but still, know. it looks amazing. Still, it looks you go underwater. Yeah, underwater is the whole thing. <laughs> Look at those things swimming like like the yeah. it's so it's, it's so crazy. good. Yep, it's great. Uh, okay, we got to move on next. Most innovative game in this category. It feels like it gets harder and harder every year to find because this is another category yeah. where we have a runner up and a winner, and it's becoming more difficult to find two picks. I think every year. What's your first pick? What's your runner up for most innovative? Uh, my first pick might raise an eyebrow too, but it is The Last of Us Part 1. I don't think spe- it will at all. Specifically for its accessibility options. Yep. Um, By the way, we should mention that Mitch, who used to work with us here on Sifted, he's now works at Naughty Dog, and this mm-hmm. is what he does. He worked on accessibility for this. Mm-hmm. So, and it, did it, they win a... They, they did won, win a game award for yeah. that. Yeah. For innovation, yeah. I think, something like that. Or no, it was or for was, accessibility. Was for accessibility. Yeah, it yeah. was yeah, that's right. That's their new award for this year. Yeah. And this and, won for it. Yeah, and Sony, I mean, Sony stuff has been moving very well toward, you know, Yes, yeah. was part two had good accessibility options. God of War has good accessibility options. Horizon a good accessibility. This is next level. Yep, the stuff in this is is just astounding. And so is God of War. God of War yeah. has a lot of great. I think stuff they too. worked together. They, I think they did. Yeah. yeah, but this is just especially in comparison to the previous versions of this game. Like it's it's astounding. Yeah, it, and, and it just it, they it, not even just the implementation being good, but how much they thought of. How how the I don't, I don't know how many people <laughs> see it's the me. opposite of Elden Ring right right 
like how many people must they consulted with and organizations they talked yeah. to and just sit down and think about what are the possible ways you might have trouble interacting with the game given whatever disability you might have and like yeah. it's hard to think of something they don't cover except maybe blindness it's really it's not a whole lot you can do about that but like even then but even then like they have sound mixing yeah. tools so if you do try to because there are people blind who play games they yeah. use sound audio cues mm-hmm. and you can tweak everything in yeah. this game, the audio cues to make them louder if you need them to be. So even blind people, I would argue, this game does a great job they did trying the best to help they them. could there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, I think, and I think this is the way going forward. I think this is what yeah. games. Should I think be. every game's gonna. As long as if you have the budget for it, and I think most AAA games do, I think this should all be standard. Agreed. Going forward. Yep, they did a great job. And I think I think uh, Naughty Dog, and particularly this game is doing a great job showing the way yep um like if you want your game to be as narratively and visually as engaging and compelling and you know comparable to to last of us and last of us part two you should also want your game to be comparable in the accessibility options agreed i I, I think everyone i think every studio eventually when they have they can afford it will have somebody that their specialty mm-hmm. is working on accessibility for the yeah, games. Yeah, the big, big, the big companies should have teams that are. Maybe a Mitch can become this. that guy. That would yeah. be awesome. Um, my runner-up for most innovative is Pentiment, and mm. I did not even like Pentiment as much as you did, mm. or honestly, as much as everybody else did, because some people are giving this game perfect tens. Um, oh, this I think, yeah, I mean. I enjoy it. Look, I you know I like this game. This was one of my considerations for games we didn't get. Because, oh really? Because while well, I do like this oh, game. Oh, I thought a lot. about it too. Believe I do me. like this game a lot. I'm surprised that you I would. I don't quite understand why it got the reception it oh, did. Me either. I even went back and played more of it after the show to mm. see if I was missing something and I was like, "No, I like it, I get it." Like <laughs> it, there's a, there's a lot of nice little touches, a little innovation. The writing's good and the story is very interesting yeah. to me. I mean, I know you you weren't super engaged by the bunch of people doing illuminated <laughs> manuscripts and talking about who they're going to have dinner with tonight. Yeah. But like it gets more interesting once the guy dies. Yeah, it does, like, yeah. But like um I I I am a little mystified as to why this thing has been it's really weird. And, I mean, it so is weird. It's just like, okay. But, I mean, but look, we're supposed to be talking positive about right, it right, right now. And it is innovative in the way that Absolutely. it does the storytelling. Like, And I have a feeling that like the adventure genre, which I feel like is resurgent this year, will take a lot of the cues from this game and maybe not incorporate them into like 14th century mm-hmm. <laughs> crazy crap and just make a normal adventure game using a lot of the tenets and the ideas from Pentiment. So yeah. while I didn't enjoy Pentiment all that much, that doesn't mean that I can't recognize that it does some things that adventure games have not done and some things that can be extrapolated out into the genre going forward so i and do it's cool think that a lot of those things are not things that are tied specifically to the like the art style right like you could have just leaned back and said like we made it look like a tapestry an illuminated manuscript right. and we're done we're good it's, yeah you know, otherwise it's just a standard game <laughs> yep but they didn't um they really took storytelling and forming your own story <laughs> i know that's a hilarious scene uh, to a different level with this game, and so I feel like it's worthy of being recognized as being one of the more innovative products of twenty. And somewhere in Obsidian, that has to be up on someone's desk as like the dev team. With yeah, names on it. <laughs> and it just loops like yeah. over and over. It's like the first screen you walk into the office every day or whatever. <laughs> yep. Okay, we got to pick our winners now for most innovative. Matt, what's your pick? Uh, mine was Tunic. That's a good um, pick. Which is also in my running, I think, for best indie game, but. Um, yeah, I've played a lot of Zelda style games, like you know, these three quarter view adventure game, action adventure games. They're you know, they've been exist in existence since Zelda came out and everybody started ripping it off. Yeah. Um and I didn't have a lot of expectations on this one. It just kinda looked cute and I was like, Oh, I'll yeah. try this. Uh, I was really blown away by how the presentation on this um was very different and the way it uses like 
you know you're collecting pages of a a manual that that a game a video game manual that that emulates basically how uh, old Famicom uh, in, uh, instruction manuals looked in yep. Japan, and there, so there's a nice nostalgia hit to that. But it's collecting those pages that clue you in as to what you need to do and tell you how to do some of the basic some of the basic gameplay abilities, but also like where you need to go and what your sprite, what your goal should be. And the, it tells you how to do. St- what you're supposed to be doing without telling you what you're supposed yeah. to be doing. There is no text in it. <laughs> like, I know. No, it's really it's crazy. It's all in another language. It's like all hints. language. Yeah. And you just have to kind of piece it together through uh, context clues and, and, and all that. And it all works. It does. Like, it's, yeah. I don't, you know, there's a lot of games that have kind of minimal interface and a lot of minimal um, kind of explanations of things. But I don't think I've ever seen one do anything as elegantly as this while... No instructions. Break, while breaking the fourth wall with yeah. those instructions. Yeah. Because that's the thing is, like, a lot <laughs> yep. of the games that do that are just like, oh, we're just going to not have a HUD and we're going to be in the world. We have to piece things together in the world. Yeah, this doesn't do that. This knows it's a video game and is being a video game. It's just being a video game in a way I've never seen a video game be a video game. Yeah. And uh, it's it's really cool. Like yep. I, So I got to give it props for that. I think it, it deserves it. I think it's a good pick. Um, my pick for the most innovative tw- of 2022 is Stray. It's such a simple concept, playing as a pet, playing as an animal. Why aren't there more games where we do that? And not only do they do that, they do it very, very well, and they nail it. I tried to think back to games that I have played in the past where I played as an animal, as the main protagonist, and I really struggled to come up with any. There was, like, Animal Leader, which was that crazy GameCube game Mm -hmm. where you just basically played as an animal and you just went around and attacked other animals. Tokyo Jungle, I think, is one of them. Yeah, that was that was uh, the PlayStation Three. Yeah, but that's like it, and none of them are like this, where you you personify this animal that you play as that same animal throughout Don't the entire the course of the life. game. And there's a narrative. The dog's life is it play like that? Yeah, you play as the dog. It's like a first person thing. There's the Goose Game, the Untitled Goose Game. Yeah, which is yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. that's what goose or the geese are like. But <laughs> you're playing as a goose. Is my point. There yeah. aren't that many, so it seems like an idea that was obvious to everybody but it wasn't so the studio picked in a unique concept for its game and then absolutely nailed it like i've never played as an animal where i felt like i was playing as the animal so that yeah, to me is it a little, and even it had competition this year with that fox game oh right um, that's right what was that game called again not on being with an e not uh, enclave i um, can't remember it I like that game too, but that was all on like rails and like. Yeah, it's a very different. Thing. It was a very different kind of game, but you're right. You did at least play as an animal in that. But and look again, Endling. this is kind of a testament to the fact that there isn't a lot of innovation in the games industry anymore. Like I also kind of thought about using Steam Deck, but I'm like, but they just copied the Switch, so mm-hmm. it probably didn't deserve it. It was hard to find nominees and winners for this category, and it may be cut for next year. I hate to say it. There's yeah, just not see. there's not a lot of groundbreaking stuff happening in games anymore. We'll, we'll see. Like uh, uh, some I mean like Starfield could be maybe or it could be something we've seen a thousand times. Like I, it's hard to say. I'm kind of leaning in that direction except it's in space or whatever, but we'll see. But it is getting tough to uh Endling. That was the game mm-hmm. with the fox. Thank you, Vincent. Um, yeah, but it's just getting very difficult to really find truly innovative ideas. And not even just the idea that you're playing as a cat and they nail that, but having like the little thing on his back because you can't just be a cat to make it a compelling video game. You had to figure out a way to do something with the cat to make it more than just playing as a cat. And I thought they did a brilliant job of doing that as well. So, again, in a weak year of innovation in the games industry... Stray is my pick for the most innovative product or game of 2022. All right. 
Two categories left, Matt. Most anticipated and game of the year. And here we are at the most anticipated game of 2023. And we both have two picks for this. What's your first pick, Matt? Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Shocker. <laughs> no one would ever guess that this but would be one. It uh, my big, the biggest shock is that it's not number one. Well... It's more of a known quantity. Yeah. Uh, also, it would not have been without the most recent trailer. Yeah. The most recent. The one you're the, seeing the now. The Game Awards trailer really built some confidence for this thing it's for me. It's a great trailer. Yeah. Um, it looks it looks like it addresses a lot of the kind of... Look, the, the original game I like a lot, obviously, but like I played it three times. But like it's it's there's some jank to it. Mm-hmm. And it looks like that's not here. And they might just be picking their, their footage carefully. You know, yeah. But it really looks like they've addressed that sort of... Um, um, hard to hard to you know. I've described it as like a paper thin quality where if you, yeah, you're yeah. not you're not entirely sure his feet are stuck to. The, I to call the ground, them paper mache you know? games. Yeah. What Looks strikes great. me about this trailer is the variety. Yeah. There's variety in this. Go back and think back to the trailers for the first game, and it was all just this. It was yeah. all just fighting with a lightsaber, and that was it. Now there's all these different elements in this game that they're showing you that weren't in the last game. I'm really really excited for this game. Um, and this trailer does a really good job of getting you hype. Yep. At least for me, it did. Um, so I'm. This was right on my fringe for most anticipated game. Don't forget that the first game was our game of the year when it came out. Now, granted, it was a slow year for game I releases. Those years, I don't think I. It was mine. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I don't remember what it. What year? It was twenty. That was twenty eighteen. Nineteen. Yeah. I can't remember what my pick was for that. Yeah, I don't either. Someone will figure Must it out. Must have been a great game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't even remember what it was. Like I said, that year was a rough year for game releases. So. Might have been Sp- Spider-Man. Was it? If it was 2018, it was Spider-Man. Yeah. Okay. Mr. Spider-Man. Yep. Um, so anyway, I don't, I don't think anyone's going to begrudge you for that pick, particularly since you're a big Star Wars fan. Um, my runner-up for the most anticipated game of 2023 is the Resident Evil 4 remake. And I, Resident Evil 4 is one of my favorite games of all time. I'm a little nervous about this. Like, my anticipation comes with some trepidation because I feel like they could ruin, like, one of my favorite games ever. But I'm also completely suckered in and intrigued by what they're going to do and how they're going to change some of my favorite scenes, some of my favorite characters, just all of it, my favorite bosses. I just... I also know Resident Evil 4 really well. I hardly ever play games over again. I have played this game like three times. So I know the game really well. And that also is helping me get excited to see what they're going to do with the sequel. Um, I don't know. To me, if you're going to rework what, in my opinion, one of the greatest games of all time, a lot of anticipation is going to come along with that. And um, I am just really, really hyped for this game. Um, And the other thing, too, I will say is that Capcom hits their release dates on these. So I'm not afraid that it's not going to come out this year. I am supremely confident that it will come out this year. And so I am really pumped for the Resident Evil 4 remake. I hope you guys are, too. It is my runner-up for most anticipated game of 2023. And Matt, it's time for you to pick your winner. What game can you not wait to play more than any other? And as it turns out, we agree on this Mm -hmm. one. And it is Starfield. Starfield. Most anticipated game of 2023. Um, I mean, do we have to say anything more than it's the Elder Scrolls in space? Mm-hmm. Not really. No. And it, <laughs> honestly, it does look like a little more than that. It does. Uh, I it hope is. it is. I mean, I hope it's really yeah. not just that. Although, if it is, I'll be okay with it. Yeah, that would be good enough for me. I, it looks like it's a little beyond that. Or at least there's a little bit more beyond that. And I'm interested to see what the thousand worlds to explore are and all that. Yep. What are the chances that this doesn't make it this year? Yours was Sekiro, Matt, not, not in 2019. 
Uh, it may also make sense why you would pick something else. Yep. <laughs> um, Thanks, Vincent. I mean, there's not nothing. Not nothing. There's a, there's a possibility it slips out, but I think you know right now it's supposedly. I put it at like twenty five percent. I mean, right now it's it's slated for first half of the year. Yeah. And what are the chances it gets delayed from that? Better than average. Yeah. <laughs> I'd split that over fifty fifty. I think it. De- I think it depends entirely on what. Uh, Microsoft thinks is going to make it for holiday. Yeah, like if they if Microsoft is confident that whatever they want to release as their big holiday game is going to make it this that year, this will probably come out sooner. If if they need to, I think they will push this back to November to make it their big holiday game because it makes sense. Yeah, it's going to sell gangbusters. Well, it won't sell that well because everyone gets it free on Game Pass. But yeah, I mean, will, a lot of people will play, play it. it. <laughs> it's really interesting being in this new frontier. We have to think about things completely different. Um, but I am really excited for it. So it's Matt. So I guess we can say that's Sifted's most anticipated game of 2023. Yeah. Okay. It's that time, people. It's time for Game of the Year for 2022. Sifted's Game of the Year for 2022. And we also have a runner-up and a winner for this. And in this case, our runner-up is the same. And that is... Horizon Forbidden West. We both chose it as our runner-up for Game of the Year in 2022. And the first thing I would say is it's the game I have spent the most time with all year. Mm. It's the game I have spent the most hours playing through this year. Um, and that says a lot. <laughs> because the one thing about like what we do is that like we don't necessarily have to finish games. Like We're always up front with you guys, and we tell you exactly how much we've played them so you can you know judge accordingly our opinions but you know a lot of times we play as much as we can we come in here we talk about them and then we got to move on to something else because there's some other 40-hour game that we have to be ready to talk about in another six days so we have to move on this game i never quit i played it steady until i finished the game and it was great from the beginning all the way to the end vast improvement over the first horizon in immeasurable ways I really enjoyed everything about this. We already talked about the graphics because it was one of our winners in best graphics. Um, We talked about the facial animation and how the human characters are more believable in this one. We talked about the sprawling vistas and the worlds that they've built for this game, the detail in it, the story in this is great. Everything about it is just the whole package. And that's what we're looking for in Game of the Year nominees and winners. Yep. Anything else you want to add to it, Matt? No, that about covers it. It's, It's only flaw is that it came out at a bad time. As it, this series always does. Yep. Uh, it got drowned out by Elden Ring. Yep. It's a shame. Like, I, they should have delayed it a couple months. When yep. they started seeing, like, the tracking on Elden Ring, probably would have been smart. Yeah, People would have been pissed, been, but... I mean, they, they done it, you know, just same thing happened with Zelda. It did. The first one. Zelda so they, for capped the, next, the first one. For the next one, I hope they pay more attention to that kind of thing, because this game, this game needs to stop getting buried... By like open world uh, cult cult classic darlings, yeah. Um, like there's like Zelda's not cult classic, but it's like there's just no way around that. And maybe Elden Ring was harder to predict, but like, eh. yeah. So anyway, it's a great game if you haven't played it yet. And I feel like there's a lot of people that haven't. Yeah, I would say so. I don't see a lot of chatter about people having played this on Sifted. No, and I, you don't see people talking about it too much. Again, I think. It was when it got it drowned out. out. Yep. So again, if you're one of those people who chose Elden Ring over this game earlier in the year, play it. Yeah, it's a good time to go back to yeah. it. Yeah. DLC is about to come next yep. next year. Yeah. So. And worst case scenario, maybe wait for that. But yeah, don't miss it. Yeah. Don't miss it. Play it. Make sure you play it. Um, and 
with that, it's time for both of us to share our games of the year for 2022. Matt, what is your game of the year? Uh, the game that made me stop playing Horizon too early, Elden Ring. Because <laughs> um, otherwise, I probably would have done what you did, just kept playing until I finished it. Yeah. But instead, that's Elden what happened. I was the opposite. Yeah, like I was turned off by Elden, Elden Ring, Ring so end. I kept playing Horizon. So yeah. I, I got pulled right in. So yeah. that was the end of that. Yeah. Like, I played Elden Ring for 200 hours, and by the time I was done with that, I tried to go back to Horizon, and then it was time to play something else, and I yeah. couldn't quite get back into Horizon in time. I've gone back to it several times and made a little bit of progress, but I've never been able to kind of just fall into the groove because something else was always it. coming. Yeah, that's that's the bad part of what we do. You mm. always have to keep moving on. You can't really sit and dwell on things for very long, yeah. which sucks because that's really the way I used to play games. Like yeah, that I is how I prefer. I into mean, games, and I would learn everything about them. I would become really good at them. I would learn all the secrets. Like yeah, left to my own, I would probably play like six or seven things all year and just play them you know at a steady but not breakneck pace yeah you know horizon could probably last me like most of a month yeah elden ring could have last me till june you know it's like it's just uh you know but you got to keep playing stuff yep got to keep going so there you go matt's game of the year for 2022 i don't think it's a big surprise for anyone no is elden ring the one game in here that i didn't you know maybe there's some irony after the switch argument before but like the one game that i also played a ton this year that i didn't find a place for in any of the categories was fire emblem mm. the, the, three houses um, three, or three, three hopes three hopes yeah. like i played i played that i played game. a lot of that too actually yeah, like 50 hours yeah we didn't mention it much in no, here but, but that was really good yeah really it would have it. fallen into action adventure yeah and to me bayonetta was way was way better but i you're, you're right i'm surprised at how many hours i spent playing that game yeah fire emblem heroes it's good so that's another one you want to keep might want to keep an eye on if you can find it on a discount um, and then finally, it's my turn to announce my game of the year for 2022. And I'm guessing people don't know what it is right now. I haven't really tipped mm. my hand at all throughout the rest of these awards, I don't think. Um, but my uh, game anyone, of the is year... Is anyone guessing? I don't see any guesses right now in the chat. Yeah. Yeah, I don't see any guesses. Uh, my game of the year for 2022 is God of War Ragnarok. Not an outlier pick, not an insane pick mm. by any stretch of the imagination. That's what I expected. Um, but a lot, a lot, did you expected this to be my game of the year? Yeah. Um, it was my game of the year in 2018, the original one. And I will say this first is that I have not enjoyed this as much as the 2018 game. Mm-hmm. It's too big. It's, I feel like there's a little bit of bloat in this game and there were portions in the middle of the game where it was slow and I almost stopped playing and I'm glad I powered through because the last act of this game is incredible. It, it really finishes strong. And that is kind of the curse of what we do as well, is it sometimes like with Plague Tale Innocent or Plague Tale Requiem, we didn't finish it. And people are like, it gets really good at the end. So we do sometimes penalize games for not having enough time to finish every game, but that's also a testament to whether the game was good enough to convince us to keep playing it. I have kept playing this game. Um, I haven't played it as much as I played Horizon Forbidden West because it's not as big of a game. Um, And, you know, I will say this too, there's very little reason to go back and replay the campaigns in these God of War games versus Mm -hmm. like in a more open action RPG like Horizon. Um, But this, as I said about Horizon, is the whole package. It literally has everything. It has one of the best stories of the year. Like it was my runner up for best story and your winner. Mm -hmm. Um, Visually, it's not quite on par with Horizon Forbidden West, but it's still amazing I mean, look at this trailer. Look at the stuff that you're seeing. It's still one of the best-looking games of the year. Yeah, it's, it's well-written. Kind of, it's interesting that, like, 
this game nails the one thing Horizon falters on, which is character animation. Character and combat. And, yeah. Horizon's combat is better than the first game, but it's still not sublime. Yeah. And I would argue that the combat in this is still pretty friggin' sublime. Yeah. And I would I would say that Horizon never will do that. It's not Maybe what not. That's not it's what not its forte. Yeah, it's, it's not, not what it's after. trying to do. And it's all it's more range. You know, I think the bow action, the ranged action is you know just as good as anything in this yeah but like there's the the melee focus in this and like the, you got a couple combos with aloy now but it's not yeah anything like this yep the, this is more the total package for me and again all, being honestly, a gameplay first guy it gets a little bit of a nod it's also, honestly still shocking to me that i like the axe so much in this because i don't like yeah. axes never in, in a game do i use no. an axe <laughs> but in this one i do this one i do yeah it's my preferred weapon <laughs> yeah i use it too um and also just, you know, the the RPG stuff in this, like the how much you can upgrade everything in this game. Like they've really I feel like the the RPG stuff is way heavier in this than it was in the last one. And I like having more agency over it. Um, the story, I don't want to spoil stuff, but it matters. Um, it's, it's a great game. And, and I always talk about craftsmanship on this on Game Face and all, all our various shows that we do. The craftsmanship in this this game is like second to none. It's. No, have you had any bugs or anything like that in this game? Um, I've had nothing. I think so. I clean think it, as I think, a whistle. I think it crashed once. Oh, really? I've had nothing. But I can't. And I can't remember anything specific. No issues with it. It's just run great. No crashes. No bugs. No any issues. I've had no problems with this game. So other than a couple of funny de- guys laying dead in place, you know. But every every ragdoll thing. Every game does that. that. Yeah, they still haven't quite figured that out yet. After all this yeah. time, Call of Duty's like that too. Even a multiplayer, like the ragdoll in that game, is so weird. Like mm-hmm. the way enemies like fall when they die. But anyway, God of War Ragnarok, my game of the year. If you had asked me January first of this year what I thought my game of the year would be, it would probably would have been this. So it's not like it's completely out of character. Again, its uh, predecessor was my game of the year in 2018. And I do not think that this is quite as good, but it's still amazing. And um, just high quality craftsmanship across the board in pretty much every element of the game. And there you go. Those are our picks for game of the year. Uh, before we go, we always have one fun thing. We pick a trailer of the year. And this year I decided to get Matt in on it. It's kind of a carryover from my days at game trailers. We always pick the trailer of the year. It was hard to pick one this year, Matt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah, I really wasn't struggled. A of, wasn't a lot of standout trailer stuff this year because most of the games coming out were announced like forever ago, yeah. and even the stuff like you know like you know like Starfield, I'm excited about, but that trailer wasn't particularly interesting. No, like, wasn't great. It didn't set the world. You know, I was like, oh, and like the more interesting stuff for a lot of that is like, oh, the gameplay demo mm-hmm. is interesting. Yeah, the trailer is fine. Yeah. It's, so your pick was my pick was Star Wars Jedi Survivor, which you, uh, we just talked about specifically because the trailer, uh, you know, enhanced my confidence in the game. So, which is what it's about. Yeah, it's about jacking up your anticipation and your confidence in buying the game ultimately. And I am right there with you. This trailer did both of those for me. Not that I was really all that nervous. Again, the first no, game it's not was like I wasn't going to buy it, right. <laughs> obviously. But like this made me feel a lot better. Yeah, and I trust Respawn, but like it's like. You wonder when you you know we're making a sequel to to a game that you know let's be honest as good as it is has a lot of flaws and a lot of little little cracks in the foundation. Yep. You're like, are they gonna focus on the right things? Are they gonna you know do they know like what needs to be improved as opposed to just like piling new ideas on instead of going back and fixing kind of the basis basics? And it feels like they did go back and you know figure out how to make this a more solid, uh, reliable combat game on top of adding a bunch of new stuff. So. Yep. Um, and I mean, they got good the, trailer. They got the one of the guys that brought us got with the original God of Wars. So yep. we'll see. 
Yep. Um, and my trailer of the year, and I really hate to say this because I kind of slagged the trailer when we first saw it. It's the Dead Island 2 re-debut trailer. <laughs> I forgot about this. <laughs> it, I mean, it has really been a bad year for trailers. There's really nothing that's memorable. I tend to, for, these, for this award, I tend to gravitate towards trailers that tell a story. Mm-hmm. And this trailer tells a story. Yeah, it does. It's not as good as the Dead Island trailers from the past, but still, it's probably the best trailer of 2022. Um, it does tell the story of this guy, and a lot of it's implausible and stupid, but it does tell a story, and it's a narrative that I followed along, and it's a trailer that I remember the most from this year. Um, if you guys can think of any that you really liked, hit us up in the chat, because I really struggled to find a better trailer than this one. But maybe I'm wrong and I overlooked one, but this was the one that ended up sticking out the most in my mind, believe it or not, even though it's not as good as what we expect from this franchise from the past. Although this franchise is completely different hands now. It so is. I guess we need to readjust. Yeah. Yeah, we do need to adjust our expectations, I guess, a little bit. Hopefully for the better. But we'll yeah, see. I forgot about this one. But you're, you're right. It's like one of the only memorable trailers from kind of the E3 period yeah. of this year. It's been a bad year for trailers. But again, it's because they're not announcing a lot of new games. They're delaying games mm-hmm. and waiting for them to come out. So just part and parcel with the way the industry is right now because of COVID and all the other stuff that's happened with COVID related to COVID, supply chain, and just work from home and all the other stuff, all the adjustments the studios have made. So you guys have heard us beat the drum about that for a while. So there you go. Sifted's Game of the Year Awards for 2022. Thanks to everybody who stuck around in the chat for the entire awards. I've seen you guys arguing about our picks. It's awesome to see you guys get spirited about it. We will do a very brief Q&A before we go. I'm surprised this filled out the full three hours. Usually this doesn't. For some reason, it went longer this time. Um, so we will do a little bit of Q&A. So you have some burning questions uh, you want to get in before the end of the year. Because this is the last you're going to see of Matt and I live. Uh, for the year. This is the last live broadcast transmission that we have. Um, so if you have any questions that you really want to get answered before we go, hit get those in the chat now. But before we do that, I have something special that I want to share before we move on. And I just want to, first of all, thank Matt for opening up his home and allowing Game Face to go down in your home. Um, I, re- I can't even put into words how much I appreciate it. And um, I love you like a brother, and I appreciate everything that you do for me and for Sifted. So I just want to say thank you for this year. Um, And as a special thank you, I got you a Christmas present, and here it is. I got you an SSD expansion (laughs) for your PlayStation 5. Oh, wow. Look at that. So the, the thing that sucks is I actually ordered this like weeks and weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And they were on back order when I ordered it. And they're like, oh, they're not coming in until like December 28th or whatever. So I had them ship it to my mom's house in Pennsylvania mm-hmm. because I'm afraid that I'll be gone and it'll show up at my place and someone will steal it out of my foyer at my apartment complex. So right. that is a problem there. And here's the messed up part is that my mom texted me yesterday and was like, hey, you got a package here. <laughs> so I could have sent it here and brought it to you and given it to you today, but that's not what happened. That's so okay. I would not have gotten around to installing it before I before Christmas. <laughs> I, I know. So. But I wanted to let you know, in case you were asking for this for Christmas from someone else or whatever, that you already have one and one is on the way, and you will finally have a real hard drive yeah. in your PlayStation 5. Wow. Um, <laughs> so anyway, thank you, Matt, for everything. Uh, I can't tell you how much I appreciate everything you've done. 
Um, and now one of the most annoying parts of the PlayStation 5, hopefully, yes. will be remedied yes. for you going forward. Oh, thank you. That is that is an excellent... I, I hadn't even thought of asking for that, actually. Yep. Because otherwise, what am I going to complain about? <laughs> so. That's funny. Uh, but anyway, um, I love you, Matt, like a brother, and I appreciate everything you do. And uh, I hope that hard drive will serve you well. And uh, I we'll... think it will. I, I just had to clear out a bunch more shit this week, in fact. <laughs> right on. To get that Forspoken demo on there. Yeah, yeah. I've been doing lots of deleting in the last, like, month. Just... Mm-hmm. Stuff that I left on there, like um, Dying Light 2, I was, like, right at the end of it, and I just yeah. kept leaving it on the hard drive. I still and, like, haven't been able to delete. It's on my Xbox, but I just, I'm like, oh, I should get rid of that. What if I want to play it again? There's always so games like, like yeah, that. Just, I've like, been deleting a lot of games like that yeah. in the last, like, six weeks, especially on my PS5, because the hard drive's just small. So, And I do hear you guys. You guys complain all the time about Matt and I complaining about the hard drive sizes on these consoles. Because you're right, most people only have like a game or two that they're playing at a time. I think that's one thing that we've kind of not managed to look at from the perspective of other people. Because we're always like, damn it, like I always have to delete stuff. But the truth is, like for most of you, it's not that big a deal. Because you only have a couple games at a time. So, anyway. Um, also, before we get to Q&A, I want to say thank you to LeSteved, mm-hmm. LeSteve D, Steve, who has sponsored us with LS Cream Liqueur for the holidays, and you'll see it too in the early part of next year. Um, Steve wanted me to let you guys know that if you want to be able to find it, just go to lscream.com, and they have a store locator, a store finder there, where you can find where to buy it. Now, honestly, you can just go to like bevmo.com or your favorite beverage distributor, and you can get it there too. Mm-hmm. So, Although it depends what state you're in, I think. Yep. But it is very widely distributed, very easy to find. It's around. It's great for holiday drinks, for warm drinks, like liqueur drinks, stuff that you can give your uncle and he won't go crazy. (laughs) The party I was at, we mixed it with uh, Earl Grey milk tea punch. That's a good mix. And uh, everyone's like, oh, this is pretty good. And then you put that in, like, oh, this is really good. No, it's really good. Yeah. Really really changed the drink. So it's like Bailey's, but better. Yeah. So support Steve. He's a sifter. Um, we try to support our own as much as we can. The best part was I saw after we ended the show last week, there were a couple people in chat that were immediately like, I just bought some. So that's the idea here. We want to reward the people who are trying to help out Sifted, who are trying to help out Game Face, who are trying to help our cause by helping them. It's a symbiotic thing. And to me, that's the way the whole world should work. So if you can, if you got some money and you like to drink, head on out or order it online and enjoy your holiday season. Um, okay. It'd be really good in a milkshake too it would be it would be really good actually there's Let's, not a lot of things it wouldn't be good in it's true <laughs> it's actually i really put good. that on pancakes if i'm honest yeah it tastes good it's thick enough it's thick <laughs> it is it. it would work yep okay we're gonna get to a couple of your questions we won't be able to get to too many because we're already over time here but i do want to answer a couple before we go jm rain thank you man not just for this for gifting all these tier one subs to our audience for the whole year man you literally come into this show every week and give people subs. That is awesome. Thanks to everybody who does this. Uh, thanks to Lesteved. He dropped a bunch of um, tier one subs in Game Face earlier this week. It's awesome. Ferrodol, thank you. Everybody who gives us bits, who gives you know subs to our audience. You guys are all awesome. We appreciate it very much. Um, let's see if we can find some questions. The Legacy, what games are you expecting to be announced in 20... 20- I think that's a little too open-ended. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, man. Pharaoh Doll, thank you, man, for these Tier 1 subs. We really appreciate it. Also, I should add, if you guys want to help us over the holidays, you want to buy us a beer or whatever, um, the best thing you can do is go to sifted.net, S-I-F-T-D.net, slash donate. And there's a credit card thing there where you can punch in any dollar amount, 
and use any credit card and just give us like a, basically a Christmas bonus if you want to, if you want to thank us for all the content for this year. Um, Furax75, we don't answer many of your questions, so we'll answer this one. What's your take on gameplay versus CG trailers? I feel like CG trailers, while pretty good and good for world building, are ultimately deceiving. Digital Foundry is on a crusade against CG trailers, which makes sense. I agree with you. Mm. They, I, they can be misleading, but yeah. I still think they're awesome. Okay, it gets me I, sucked into the world and the concept of the game. Like I don't mind a CG trailer as the announcement trailer. If you're, if you're way out, if it's like kind of a proof of concept thing, if you're just kind of give me a flavor of what the game is about sort of thing, like I think that's fine. You know, sort of like what Blizzard did for all yeah. the time. You know, it's like, here's, here's a tone setter for the new Diablo, new Starcraft, new World of Warcraft expansion, whatever. Yeah. That's cool. But as you, beyond that first taste, I like it to be the game. Yeah, I, I think there's a place for CG trailers, but it's more as like an appetizer. It, you should not be still throwing CG at me like three months before the game is released. Yeah, um, and I, I would even actually usually they that. don't. No, sometimes I would, the launch trailer they'll have two trailers. They'll have a yeah, CG launch trailer, story and a game trailer, play. and a gameplay trailer. Yeah. yeah, and I I would even go that far with like in-engine cutscene driven. You know, like I like I think I think that. Um, Suicide Squad trailer is useless mm-hmm. six months out from launch, whereas that Star Wars trailer showed you the game. It did. Like, yeah. It was a mix of things. Yep. So it's true. No, I, I I see the point there. I do too, but I still like CG trailers. Yeah. Because I like to see making the world and the concept look as good as possible. What can they do? Yeah. Like I'm excited for all Blizzard's stuff. Yeah. Like, like on the like I get the, like I see the point on that, but at the same time. Those CG trailers for Star Wars The Old Republic is some of the best Star Wars of all time, and I would not trade those for anything. So even though they clearly do not reflect what the MMO plays like, yeah, uh, they're all awesome. So there, there is a place if you're talking about something, you know, if you if you there's a there's a correct way to use it, like any tool. Yeah, uh, Red Fox is asking why aren't you excited for Spider Man Two? I am, but also Spider Man Two is a very 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 known quantity. Yeah. Um, I don't have any questions about Spider-Man 2. Yeah. I don't have any curiosity about it, frankly. I know that it's going to be great. It's going to be another Insomniac home run. And, we just shattered our all-time record. And in terms of... For the hype train or something. Yeah, the last record, I think. Because we, I don't think we've been to level four in a while. Huh. Um, Interesting. But the... Uh, yeah, so so like my, my anticipated games are games I'm curious about, and I'm wondering what it's going to be like, or what it's going to feel like, or how, how is this going to be? Am I going to like it? Am I not going to like it? Like, all that... Like, that's what Fallen... You know, Jedi Survivor and Starfield are. It's like, they're big, they're big question marks for yep. me. I mean, I'm excited about Mystery. them. They're, they're definitely in my wheelhouse, but I don't know how they're going to turn out. I have no questions about how Spider-Man 2 is going to turn yeah. out. Like, it's going to be great. Spider-Man 2 is probably... <laughs> I mean, yeah. my, odds are Spider-Man 2 is my game of the year next probably. year. Probably. But, like... It's, I don't know. Starfield might be a tough customer to. Starfield might like Star, we'll I, in a in a in a wonderful timeline. Starfield <laughs> will be my favorite game of next year. Where one of Bethesda's games isn't completely broken yeah, at launch. Absolutely, exactly. <laughs> but like that's exactly my point. Like Starfield yeah. is like Starfield has potential to be one of my favorite games ever, if it's solid and done right and full. You know, yeah. if, it's, if it's if it aligns more or less with what I'm hoping for in a space exploration Skyrim RPG style thing. Like they I know Bethesda has it in them to make that game. This game has been, you know, vaguely in my head since I was a child kind of thing. It's one of those yeah. games. But if it isn't, Spider Man two is gonna be awesome and I'm kind of fine with that. Yeah. It's like, it's, so that but that's why Starfield and like Spider Man two isn't in those most anticipated listings is because it's it's a given. It's yeah. going to be awesome. Yep. It's Insomniac. They know exactly what they're doing. I have no worries about it. Norks Nessie, thank you for Twitch Prime. Also, I want to say thanks to everybody else who subscribed with Twitch Prime during the show. 
Um, because this isn't game face, it really it wasn't a place for me to kind of thank you guys, but I did see it and thank you very much. Um, also, please, everybody, subscribe with Twitch Prime. Uh, we really need the help. Um, you can give us a free $2.50 a month um, if you're an Amazon Prime member. It costs you nothing. It's just a part of Amazon Prime. Um, again, if you're watching this on YouTube, there's instructions down below. If you're a patron or you're a sifter on sifted.net, please remember to do that. We really, really need the help um, with uh, Twitch Prime if you can. Uh, answer maybe one or two more. Uh, Eth Demon, what's your non-AAA most anticipated game? For me, it's the Mega Man Battle Network Collection. Oh, gosh. Mm. I can't even begin to figure out that one. Non-AAA. Um, hmm. I can't even think of a non-AAA game other than indie <laughs> games for next year. Yeah, I don't I mean, like, I guess Hades 2. Is that AAA? Kind of? That's probably a good guess, though. It's high profile. What about Silk Song, Dude, that... I didn't even realize, honestly, until I was putting together like our fantasy league, that that it. game didn't come no, out it didn't. still. It didn't. What the hell? So there's one. I, when we picked it, I told you it's it doesn't have a <laughs> it doesn't even have a window yet. Like they haven't even mentioned years yeah. in relation to that game yet. Yeah. Furax um, seventy five. Thank you for Twitch Prime as well. It's a good. That's a good question. I mean, uh, uh, Earthblade. Mega Drive guy. Thank you. Earthblade. Is oh yeah. There. That's one. Like I'm mostly just on the strength of Celeste. The next game from the Celeste guys, yeah, and girls. Uh, I think that's it. I think we uh, we can't answer anymore. We're already way over time. So there you go. That's the year in Sifted, at least here on Twitch. Um, there will be content flowing through Sifted.net and our Patreon throughout the entire break. Um, mostly Pactor Factor. Look, tomorrow we're going to put a call in for um, Ask Chain Anything questions. And we'll do an episode or two of that while I'm gone that'll be scheduled for you guys to watch. But really, I hope that you guys, like me and like Matt, you take the time to step away from the internet for a while um, and decompress, unplug, connect with people, touch grass, as the kids say. Hmm. Seriously, like, ground yourself again. Go talk with your family and your friends. COVID isn't such a big deal this holiday season like it has been the last couple um, you might actually be able to spend time inside with somebody and not worry about getting COVID, which is nice. Um, and so I hope a lot of you guys will be able to reconnect with people in the real world over the holiday season. Oh, it's and, a real bad flu season. Yeah, it could be. It's rough. At that. Yeah. And most importantly, like, I hope you guys have a great holiday season. Whether you celebrate Christmas or Kwanzaa or any other, I don't care. I don't, you make up your own thing to celebrate. I don't care. I just hope that you have a really great holiday season. And I hope you have a very safe and happy New Year's as well. We do not have a definitive date for when we're coming back. Um, but usually it's the first couple days of January. A lot of that depends on when I can get a reasonably priced flight back to California. Last year, remember, I was trapped. Yeah. on the east coast for like two weeks so i couldn't get a flight back that wasn't like a thousand dollars or whatever so hopefully that doesn't happen this time although flights are pretty darn expensive just yeah, getting it out there seems like it it might be might i yeah. might just have to bite the bullet and just i mean literally like nine hundred dollars yeah. one way and that's assuming you're not snowed in or right something. yeah so we'll see but anyway i love you guys i appreciate every single one of you it's not lost on me that you guys donate money so matt and i can talk about video games it i still like this has been the worst year we've ever had financially from sifted which sucks by a mile it's been the worst ever but I still wake up so appreciative that I'm able to do what I do. Because one, it's not really about the money. Um, it's just, it really is about doing what you love. And you guys allow us to do that. So thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for everything. Like all the bits you've given us, 
all the times you've taken, the extra two minutes to subscribe with Twitch Prime, all that stuff. It all means something to me. It all matters. And uh, I just want to say thank you. You guys are amazing. Um, and I can't say it enough. So any final words before we go for the year, Matt? No, I think... Uh... Touch grass is a good sound. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> so we love you guys. Uh, we'll see you bright and early in 2023. Take care.